0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This is
2: the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now
2: on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program where we bring you the experts The people in the know, the people that can give you the background, the insight you need to live healthier lives, happier lives, and hopefully help you see the good in the world. You know, it is a crazy world, and yet so filled with good and uh, people with good intentions. Today, a a great show for you. If you have anybody that you love, anybody close to you suffering with Alzheimer's, today is the show you want to listen to. We'll be bringing in a BYU professor that's on the, the cutting edge of the research in the field of Alzheimer's. He's going to be in giving us uh, some insight into what, uh, what are some of the hopes in the field. I mean, it, it really is. Everybody probably has somebody near them, dear, them, dear to them, that uh, is suffering through Alzheimer's. and In fact, it's, it's one of the top six uh, killers leading cause of death in the United States. And it's the only one that doctors currently don't have, uh, you know, an aggressive form of stopping or slowing or preventing. It's just the one that we all get to suffer uh, or have kind of out there looming. So we'll be talking with that great professor in just a few minutes. But before we go there, we got to tell you the story. One of my favorite insights. In fact, I forgot this. Yesterday when we went to Pluto, hello, hello, just flying by Pluto, not a big deal. But uh, I about four months ago, I had interviewed a NASA ambassador to that uh, that took us on the tour of why this Pluto flight was such an important thing, and he taught me something really cool that I did not I did not remember until I saw it again today. Clyde Tombaugh, who is the he was the he was actually the discoverer of Pluto back in the thirties. He on this this horizon's um what do we call that probe that flew right by Pluto Clyde tombaugh's ashes are on the probe. How cool is that and remember this thing's flying thirty one thousand miles an hour has been flying for nine nine and a half years, just flew by Pluto, took a bunch of pictures they're still sending that back, but one of the cool things is. The astronomer who discovered the planet, by the way, the, one of the only planets I think discovered by an American, and then they dwarfed it, jerks! You done dwarfed my planet. Uh, his ashes are on the um, are on the probe, and there is a really, I think, just I don't know what you call it, neat, cute uh, phrase that is that is kind of a, a memorial on the. On his ashes, on the can, the, the canister that's holding his ashes. And um, one of the things that, that is really powerful about it is on this, uh, this, I can't remember what you call it, this tribute is the name of his wife, the name of his kids. Basically, it basically says this. This is what it says. Interred herein are the remains of American Clyde W. Tombaugh, discoverer of Pluto and the solar system's third zone. Adele and Muron's boy... Patricia's husband, Annette and Alden's father, astronomer, teacher, punster, and friend, Clyde Tomba. How cool is that? By the way, this uh, this probe is going to just keep flying. It's going to keep flying. In fact, it has enough fuel, apparently, to fly till 2030, which means, you know, it's going to be pretty far out there. And which it's also going to be leaving our solar system... And flying um, onto the Kuiper belt, whatever that means, it's just going to keep going and going and going. It will be Clyde Tombaugh's ashes, I'm pretty sure, will be as far away as anybody's ashes could get from this great planet. So, cool stuff. Way to pay tribute to a a great guy. Now... Speaking of paying tribute, let's pay tribute to uh, Kathy Aiken, one of the greatest gals of all time, bringing in the headlines.
3: Good morning, Matt. Good morning. Thousands of Iranian citizens celebrated in the streets of Tehran last night after their country and six world powers came to an agreement on a nuclear deal. The country's sanctions will be lifted in exchange for limiting the country's nuclear capabilities. Here's U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry. The
2: United States doesn't lose anything by giving them the opportunity to prove this is a peaceful program. What's the alternative? Go to war now? You wanna, I mean, everybody wanted to say automatically, let's bomb Iran,
3: I mean, is that the alternative? Vice President Joe Biden is heading to Capitol Hill today to try and persuade lawmakers who are against the proposal. House Republican Speaker John Boehner called the agreement unacceptable and said the House will do everything it can to stop it. Meanwhile, President Obama said he'll veto any legislation aimed at preventing the accord from moving forward. A 94-year-old former Nazi guard was convicted today on 300,000 counts of his accessory to murder. Oscar Gruning was sentenced to four years in jail by a German court. Gruning was an SS Guard at Hitler's infamous death camp in occupied Poland in 1944, when nearly 425,000 Hungarian Jews were sent to Auschwitz. At least 300,000 were immediately sent to the gas chambers. Grunin said while he witnessed the atrocities, he did not commit any crime. Germany has mounted a final push to bring Nazi criminals to justice. Grunings' trial likely to be one of the country's last Nazi prosecutions. NASA's New Horizons spacecraft survived its flyby of Pluto yesterday. This after it left nearly a decade ago. Around 9 p.m. Eastern time last night, Mission Control received confirmation of the successful operation almost 13 hours after it traveled past Pluto. And to put it into perspective, it took nearly five hours for that signal to reach Earth traveling at the speed of light. The spacecraft is compiling data and is expected to send back images by this afternoon. Search teams have located the wreckage of a small plane that crashed in Washington on Saturday. A crash, a 16-year-old girl was able to escape from. Autumn Veach was found Monday after walking through the forest in search of help. The girl said she couldn't help her grandparents who were trapped in the burning wreckage. She was released from the hospital yesterday after suffering from dehydration and burns to her hands. Searchers are hoping to reach the site today.
2: Cranky's ready with a 1-2 pitch.
4: That's into right field. Pretty well hit back at the wall.
2: the baseball flies. Trout all smiles. AL leads
3: one to nothing. Yeah, that home run by Mike Trout, he became the first player in 38 years to lead off an All-Star game with a home run. The American League beat the National League 6-3, to meaning the AL will again have home field advantage in the World Series for the 10th time in 13 years. By the way, Trout also became the first player to be named MVP in two straight All-Star games. And Matt, I don't think we mentioned this, that what? Monday was National French Friday. Did we miss that?
2: I. How could we miss I that? I don't
3: know because I love French fries. That's
2: my favorite day of the year.
3: Is your French fry day? We yeah. talked about the sugar cookie know, day, but we know. Know how did we miss? We've got another French fry day. So according to two different websites, okay, here are the best fresh French fries in the Mm-kay. country. Okay, so according to BuzzFeed, mm-hmm. number five, Chick Fil A, the waffle oh, fries. I love those, love those. fries. They, They're not very you know greasy, that's why I they like They seem them. healthier. Yeah, <laughs> I think they that's are. That's a healthier fry. They are. Not as much grease. Number four, Rally's seasoned fries. Mm. I've never been Me, there. No, I'm, I'm never... not sure that's in Utah. Number three, Burger King. Number two, McDonald's. And number one, Arby's curly and classic fries. That was on another one too. That Arby's got number one. So, and according to Esquire, their top five.
2: By the way, Esquire, one of the leading experts in French fries sources in French fries.
3: (laughs) Exactly. That's where I go every time to search for French fries. Number five, Burger King. Number four, McDonald's. Number three, Steak and Shake. Mm, I've never been there. Been there. Have you? Is that good? Yeah,
2: I can't. I just eat Steak and Shake all day. It's great. Number
3: two, Nathan's.
2: Never been there. Oh, that's the Nathan's hot dog stand. Yes. Yeah.
3: And number one, KFC. What? They have more of the wedge the not they're all the wedge fries. Are really yeah, good. but here's WebMD. Mm hmm. Sonic Drive In has the healthiest fries. Really? And the least healthy? Mm hmm. Carl's Jr. Natural cut fries. Very fattening and greasy. Well, as, as
2: a connoisseur, as one who has tasted pretty much every one of those fries on the list, mm-hmm. I agree with all of them.
3: Uh, to me, I don't know. I think this is just in Utah, but training table fries. Have oh, you ever yeah, had those theirs? Are good. Yeah, oh, the and their fri- fry yeah. sauce. Oh. oh, so good. Oh. And fry sauce is kind of a Utah thing. Yeah, because that's Their barbe- fry sauce oh, is so good. Boy. Oh, those are so I good. am
2: starving. <laughs> Why are we talking fries? You know, fries? my least favorite, I have to what, what? say,
3: in and out burger fries. Have oh, you ever I can't, had theirs? Yeah.
2: They're so they're thin and yeah, and, yeah kind yeah. of wimpy. Yeah, you, you need.
3: You don't want a wimpy fry when you're no, having a hamburger.
2: No. How did we miss Friday? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Friday. That's this Friday.
3: Monday was Friday.
2: Monday was Friday. Monday was Friday. <clears throat> okay, let's do this. Just let's just have Friday be Friday.
3: We can do that. You know what I, I mean? won't be here, so eat some for me, okay?
2: Oh, I won't be here either.
3: This Friday or a week from Friday?
2: Oh, I'll be. Yeah, yeah, I'll be here this Friday. <laughs> Crud.
3: Been eating too much French fries. I had a really <read. laughs> late
2: night. It's uh, it's 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 Friday, but not that Friday,
3: right? Oh. You can make it Friday. Well, we make Friday any Is time it, we want. Friday. It was
2: interesting how Burger King and McDonald's are head to head. I never really thought of Burger King's fries as all that good, but apparently they're pretty good.
3: I think they changed them a couple of years ago. Yeah, with well, a different they, oil or they, something. Well, they, they yeah, they had up. a
2: healthier fry. Yeah. Which actually, I don't know Who if they still sell them. Who wants a healthy
3: fry, though, kind of? I mean, isn't that the idea? Right. Is, you know, you have a hamburger, that's not healthy. Yeah. I Just mean, add on.
2: You want something to clog your arteries.
3: Exactly.
2: <laughs> what better way to Why do it not? than a little french fry or a fry, a, fry, a fry web or what do they call it? What would you call it? A wedge. Like a wedge potato fry. wedge. Mm. Okay, let's not talk about that because I am starving. We uh, we've got a great expert coming in from Brigham Young University. Dr. John Keone Kawe is going to be joining us. He is uh, a leading expert in Alzheimer's research. And so, if you know anybody, if you have a family member that has Alzheimer's, this is such a difficult thing. Uh, a lot of times, they can live a very long time. They just lose. They just lose their ability. Their right. Their faculties. Their ability to think. To remember and uh it's really hard it's hard for the entire family so I, I just wanted to simply know are we making any progress in that field we hear of other progress in other diseases other cancer treatments and things like that but we don't hear much about alzheimer's so after the break we'll be bringing on the good doctor finding out what's uh, up in the latest research is there hope on the horizon all that and more we're talking alzheimer's after the break folks stick with us this is the matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, for me, um, this next topic hits so close to home. I have... Very uh, people very close to me that are suffering with Alzheimer's, and to see the impact that it has on their life, on their family's lives, it's a it's a huge, huge issue. And um, I, I always just feel like we don't, in the general public, know enough about it. We just talk about it. Uh, in fact, a lot of us can't even pronounce it. Pronounce what it is: Alzheimer's disease is uh, in the sixth leading cause of death in the United States it's only one in the top ten that doctors don't have a way of stopping slowing, or preventing. There are many unknowns when it comes to Alzheimer's disease with millions of dollars trying uh, out there to try to fund the research. we wanted to bring in one of the uh, one of the leading researchers, in the field of Alzheimer's, Dr. Keone Kawai is an associate professor of biology and head of the bioinformatics program here at Brigham Young University. His research with Alzheimer's has helped lead to the discovery of a rare genetic mutation that increases the risk of Alzheimer's disease. And we've brought him here to pick his brain, find out what's going on in the research. Dr. Kawway, thanks for being here.
4: Oh, thanks, madam. happy to be here this morning.
2: Really? And we were talking about it right before the break. This is, this is a huge issue alzheimer's and you like it impacts families and it's it's almost is because if it's genetic everybody thinks they're just waiting for to get alzheimer's if their mom has it if their grandpa has it they think they're going to get it where are we in the research what do we need to know
4: yeah so it's certainly all of us researchers in this field understand how important this question is and how and what the real impact is on families and and we're doing everything we can to make progress um the real status of the general research efforts is that we have several therapies that look like they may be effective in preventing Alzheimer's disease. Mm. Um, And these are the same therapies that we've tried in standard clinical trials over the last decade or so. Uh, But we are now using them in individuals who have either very early stage Alzheimer's disease or don't have disease at all. But have several indicators of risk for Alzheimer's disease. uh, So it's more preventative. Earlier treatment will lead to preventative therapies.
2: And then, so genetically, I guess we can now go in because of your research. We can go in and identify if you have a genetic potential.
4: Yeah, and we're working to be better with that and more refined with that. But certainly, that's part of the suite of factors that we would evaluate to determine someone's risk for disease. It would would also include their age, um, their general family history of disease, imaging data, Hmm. so we can image amyloid plaques in the brain. um, We can look at brain volume. And all of those things together can provide kind of a composite score that allows us to determine whether someone would be a likely candidate for a prevention trial.
2: And then, and then if they get in the prevention trial, I guess the idea is we're still we're still in the preventative mode. We don't really have anything that can stop it. Yeah, and is that's that true.
4: And and the reality is that you know, we don't have disease modifying therapies because this is an extremely challenging disease course. Explain um, the disease. Yeah, so and this is something that I'm glad we're talking about because a lot of people don't yeah, understand what's no. really happening. Um, so Alzheimer's disease is, is defined pathologically by the preponderance of two components in your two protein aggregates in the brain, amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary tangles. Ooh. All right. And these are, again, just sticky clumps of protein that occur inside of the brain of an Alzheimer's patient and from through a variety of mechanisms some of which we understand some of which we don't uh, those those plaques and tangles result in the death of neurons hmm. and recent research over the last say 4 to 6 years has has made it pretty clear that those plaques and tangles are extremely prevalent in the brain 10 15 even 20 years prior to the onset of what we associate with Alzheimer's Inter- okay, disease, yeah. the symptoms of, you know, the cognitive changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Are they only
2: present in people that will get Alzheimer's?
4: Uh, yes. Okay. I mean,
2: so, but we can detect them relatively early.
4: You know, the average person could have a handful of plaques, possibly some tangles. Not, not likely. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very evident in an Alzheimer's brain. Interesting. They're they're everywhere. Yeah. Um, so. That's what makes this so challenging, is that by the time someone shows symptoms of disease, their brain has been ravaged by this pathology for sometimes decades. Mm. And so you can see that it would be very difficult to say we're going to cure Alzheimer's disease because we would need to cure something that's been going for 20 years. It's like saying, you know, I know that your ankle has been injured for 20 years and you've been grinding and destroying (laughs) bone and ligaments. And somehow we're just going to magically replace 20 yeah. years of wearing and Make tear. it, yeah, fix it. So the strategy over the last five, five or so years has been to really work at earlier diagnosis, uh, biomarkers and other techniques to infer future risk for disease and try to uh, intervene in the disease much earlier mm-hmm. in the process.
2: Are, is there a higher incidence of Alzheimer's now than 50 years ago?
4: So – there's Do we many know? there's many many more alzheimer's cases okay uh, but the that is likely due to the changing age structure of the developed countries across the world hmm. uh, and not due to some kind of specific factor that's creating more alzheimer's disease essentially this is you know it is a disease of developed countries it's a disease that you get when you live really long and you don't die from something else for interesting right? and and so our success in avoiding the other the other challenges to our temporal yeah. existence <laughs> it's the curse
2: of longevity <laughs> have, have, i guess
4: have created this challenge that 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 quite frankly i mean whether you live to be 65 or 85 as you know personally dealing with this disease mm. uh, as an individual or as a family member it's emotionally it's financially oh. i mean every way you can imagine it's devastating to an entire family and
2: uh my family member had early onset so and they, they are vibrant. They were the most – they are. They're still strong and beautiful, but the most social person you've ever met. And it just they just slowly, slowly wither.
4: It's heartbreaking. Mm. I, mean, I, have a, I have a very close friend that I met shortly after she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. She spoke five languages. Mm. She had traveled the world and had success in many different endeavors. Incredibly rich and intelligent person. In so many ways, and over the years, you watch that all go away, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. So and, and it again, keeps us to, all motivated.
2: I, I bet it does. In your are I mean, here you are in in, in your in your lab, the Kauai, Kauai lab, and you've got thirty plus people or so working for you, mm-hmm. from PhDs, doc, postdoctorals, down to just students, and. You're all fighting to fix something that is so kind of elusive. It seems yeah. so complicated.
4: And it, I mean, we feel the intensity, and, and we work really hard. In fact, this last week, we've been—it's been really impressive to me. I have several undergraduates who are working full time over wow, the cool. summer, and they—they they sent me a text at I don't know—it was probably six p.m. and said, "We've been in the lab since five a.m." <laughs> And we're trying to finish this experiment. We're working on something that we think is really exciting. And they've been really dedicated to it. And I said, hey, Dr. Kawe, you, would you be willing to order us pizza? We've been here for 12 hours yeah. and we're getting kind of tired. <laughs> can and you throw us and some I, food? Yeah, I said, of course. And, and, uh. and, but it's really fun to see them catch the vision of how important the research questions mm-hmm. are that we're pursuing and the fact that we're doing work that, that can really matter.
2: Yeah. Well, oh, I'm, I'm glad somebody's on it, and I'm glad you're here to help us talk about it. Um, we're talking again with Dr. Keone Kawe uh, from BYU, the Kawe Lab, which is um, at the College of Life Sciences here at BYU campus. He's Associate Professor of Biology and Head of Bioinformatics. We'll take a break, come back. I want to know just, you know, is it genetically handed down? What do we know about it? And let him just teach us. Again, the, the name, Alzheimer's. Not old timers, not old weimers, <laughs> Alzheimer's. And uh, we'll be talking uh, more with Dr. Keone Kawe after the break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. To the Matt Townsend Show today, we are talking about Alzheimer's disease. You you have somebody close to you, I'm sure, somebody you know of, somebody's father, friend, brother, sister that is suffering with Alzheimer's, and uh, I wanted to get the the straight uh, talk about it. I want to really know what's going on. We hear, and you know, every lab will release this or that, and you'll hear of certain advances or whatever. But uh, we're going to the source. Dr. John Keone Kawe is joining us. He is a professor here at Brigham Young University, associate professor of biology and head of the bioinformatics program at Brigham Young University. Also the head of the Kawe lab, which has uh, 30 or so uh, um, employees and students that are researching. One of the things, I guess, is Alzheimer's and and kind of the genetic uh, I guess the mutations, what's going on, trying to understand. So we've brought uh, Dr. Keone Kawe into the studio. Thanks for being here. It's a pleasure. This really is a big uh, – it's such a big deal. So what 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 is – if we talk about tangles, we talk about plaques – how do I know if genetically my family, am I predisposed to this? Can you tell genetically? Is it that kind of a thing? Is there like the cancer gene? Is there the Alzheimer's gene?
4: So there are two forms of Alzheimer's disease. And the early onset familial form is caused by single changes in the DNA that have what we call a dominant effect, which means that that single change in the DNA is sufficient to cause Alzheimer's disease. Hmm. Um, those are the kinds of mutations in DNA that 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 people talk about with human diseases, where if one of your parents has the disease, then you have a 50-50 chance of inheriting the disease from them and getting Alzheimer's wow. disease. Now, that form of the disease is, is, in terms of the pathology, the actual disease itself, it, it doesn't look really any different from the sporadic form of the disease. Uh, but certainly the inheritance is drastically different. Hmm. So if someone has an initial onset of Alzheimer's symptoms under age 65 and especially under age 60, it's very likely that they carry one of these dominant mutations for familial Alzheimer's disease, in which case, of course, their offspring... Their first-degree relatives 50, would 50 have very chance. high risk of, of of developing disease. And those, there's hundreds of different ways to change the DNA to cause dominant Alzheimer's disease. They all occur within the same three regions of the human genome, and those three regions all if, affect the amount and the type of amyloid that your brain is producing. Hmm. Um, and that's helped us understand quite a bit about Alzheimer's disease. That this amyloid is a central protein. Uh, that it may be one of the targets we need to, to chase in terms of therapeutics.
2: So the dominant, you have about a fifty-fifty chance of passing it down. And then does does the gene? So then, if you don't get it, does your does your child have a chance, or is it only if you get it?
4: Only if you get it, then you can pass it on. But if you don't, then you're you're the lucky one in your family you dodge and, and it the ends with you right interesting um now the sporadic form of the disease accounts for 99% of cases so okay. the do- the dominant form is quite it's rare, rare uh but it does has taught us a lot and it and it's a, it's I bet a, it is easier really to study the
2: dominant because you can predict a little bit better.
4: Yeah, it's, and it's just much more simple. So huh. the sporadic form of the disease, uh, which most people would be you – know, most of if you have a loved one that's dealing mm-hmm. with this, it's likely that they have onset after age 65 and they carry the sporadic form of the disease. And it's definitely has a strong genetic component. So instead of a 50-50 chance, uh, you base, your risk goes up if you have a first degree relative with sporadic disease mm-hmm. then your risk goes up about threefold but still only to 12 to 15% Okay yeah so it's right? still fairly So your your risk is much higher than the average person but it's not sky high like it would be if you had uh, the early onset disease in your family and we know of several genes uh, that influence the sporadic form of the disease there's one gene it's called apolipoprotein and it's the epsilon 4 Version of that protein is what we call it, and I know that doesn't Man, mean a is, lot to some of yeah. you. But we call it ApoE. Right? <laughs> okay. So there's this gene. Called it sounds ApoE. like Hawaiian. It's a Hawaiian <laughs> gene. <laughs> yeah. So there's a gene called ApoE, and if you carry it, then you're, then you have drastic increase in risk for Alzheimer's. Can you be disease. tested for this?
2: Do people? I mean, I guess it's that's the question of Do I want to know?
4: Yeah. At this point, it, it's a really tough question. But and if you I, have family felt, that
2: have I, the dominant.
4: I've discovered families that have a dominant mutation, and we've offered genetic counseling to those families to to get screened and counseled. And the vast majority of the members of those families are not interested. They don't want
2: it because well, there's not a treatment really.
4: Yeah, they they say, well, if I'm test positive, what do I do? And right now, at this very moment, you know, other than saying you can participate in clinical trials, which is a it's a huge blessing yeah. to the to the future. Uh, you know, that's, that's really all we can say. Yeah, because
2: you could get the placebo of the trial.
4: You could. <laughs> or, and, or you could. Yeah. Or or as has been the case for the last 20 to 30 years, the trial is going to show that we don't have the right drug yet. Or we don't right have the right intervention. So since the, the the ApoE gene was discovered in the late 80s, and for, for about a decade, we weren't finding much, maybe even more like two decades. Mm. We weren't finding any other risk factors. But uh, my lab and several others have been involved uh, since… The, since about the 2008-2009 time period in very large collaborative studies, uh, worldwide collaborative really? studies. And we have identified now 20 additional risk fact, risk genes for Alzheimer's disease. Um, each one of them only alters your risk by 2 to 3%. So wow. from a diagnostic perspective, they don't do a whole lot. However, it's opened up a lot of information about the pathways in the brain that influence whether you get disease or not. Um, and most interestingly, uh, you mentioned that we discovered a, a few genes recently yeah. that, were bit, that, that were kind of a big deal. Um, we we identify the TREM2 gene, uh, a, a change in the TREM2 gene that was really interesting. It's one of the strongest and most easily replicated findings in Alzheimer's disease since the ApoE discovery. And it actually demonstrates that inflammation at, is a major part of the alzheimers Infram, inflammation
2: in the neurons in the brain what?
4: uh in the yeah absolutely in the brain so the trem2 gene is involved in attenuating inflammation so it, you know the natural process is for your brain to receive an insult to get inflamed and that inflammation actually promotes healing and lots of positive mm. things if it's short term yeah but you need to turn it back off where it starts to cause damage. right? And this TREM2 gene is, has a function in the brain of bringing inflammation back Lowering down. It. And, and people who have a defective version of that gene have elevated a risk for Alzheimer's disease because that inflammation from the plaques, and the, this is what we infer, yeah. the inflammation from the plaques and tangles causes more damage if you have this defective TREM2 than it would otherwise. And so people progress to disease uh, with a higher probability than if they didn't. What's interesting is this TREM2 discovery appears to be relevant not just to Alzheimer's disease, but to several other Hmm. neurodegenerative disorders. So showing that this inflammatory pathway can actually control how your brain responds to the beginnings of these path, different neuro, neurodegenerative pathologies.
2: Who? What are the other? Uh, what are the other neurological disorders that kind of parallel or, or play in the same ballpark with
4: Alzheimer's? So, I mean, Parkinson's disease has a lot of hmm. similarities. Obviously, I mean, it's associated with different symptoms. Yeah, uh, but it's it's similar in that it's a protein aggregating disease, and and it causes neuronal neurodegeneration. Um, other diseases that are very similar to Alzheimer's disease in a lot of ways would be frontal temporal dementia mm-hmm. and Lewy body dementia, and these are they have similar symptoms and they're lumped in with dementia. Yeah. Um, but they have kind of slightly different pathologies. But again, it looks like your inflammatory response dictates how your brain res- you know responds to the beginnings of those pathologies. So
2: it sounds like we have tangles, we have plaques. Some of that's just maybe potentially due to just you know aging we we weren't normally going to be living this long and then we might have 20 or so genetic other issues that could manifest forms of alzheimer's so really you're not battling one disease no. you're battling 20 or 400 versions of the same thing that's
4: one of uh, that's very insightful that's one of the major challenges is that the sporadic form of the disease is not caused by any single factor uh, it's it's caused by likely you know if not if not hundreds, at least dozens of different genes and different and genes interacting with each other, yeah. and and very likely to be environmental factors that we haven't yet understood, yeah, and all of those interplay together, and so one of the one of the challenges is, and we've actually published some work on this recently, is that you know it could be that we need to subdivide Alzheimer's disease, and mm-hmm. as we understand more about the genes and the environment and the different impact of, of Different, you know, the impact on different parts of the yeah. brain that we can subdivide it into types and maybe be more effective at treating. Individual it's like can- types. It
2: really. It's like cancer. I mean, a different thing, but cancer has so many different causes, so many different whatevers that you can't just. It's. I mean, I guess everybody out there just thinks, oh yeah, you've got X. Yeah, you broke your arm,
4: and that's. I mean, that's one of the challenges is that we, you know, cancer research ha- is much more mature, has had a lot more funding for a lot more years. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, it's a more visible problem. Um, And this is something that I I talk about frequently because I think it's really important to understand about Alzheimer's disease. I think all of us know that there's historically been a bit of a stigma associated Mm -hmm. with Alzheimer's disease and that people, you know, when they're diagnosed, they kind of hide away and they don't want to tell anyone and their families kind of protect them. And that's understandable because it is a very difficult disease to deal with. At the same time, it's really impacted our ability to realistically deal with the problem. Yeah, um, and, and educate, I guess. Absolutely, and so you know that's impacted uh, the success of lobbying efforts for funding. It's impacted the visibility of research. That's true, and, and that's slowed us down. and And that's changing. I think it. You know, as our as our population gets older and more people deal with this disease, we we're being more realistic about its impact. We're understanding that the direct costs and the indirect costs both emotional mm-hmm. and financial are overwhelming and that we as a country and as a developed world need to address this in a more meaningful way. It's true
2: President Reagan gets Alzheimer's and then we and it happens with everybody. We, then we just kind of put him away. Yeah. Cuz we in order I guess to honor him so that we he doesn't humiliate himself so that the, nobody makes fun of him or whatever we put him away and it just kind of goes quiet when Uh, Other people who got Parkinson's disease, who was that um, actor? Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox gets Parkinson's and it's just – And he just owns Front door. Yeah, everybody does it. You know what? I mean AIDS research, cancer research, we're all over all of those and we still have the shame factor. And the reality
4: is you read the numbers. This is the sixth leading cause of death and it's the only one of the top ten with no prevention, no modifying therapies, no cure. And it – the numbers are growing very oh. rapidly, and our healthcare system in the United States is not prepared to, mm. to deal. with I mean, with they have Alzheimer's
2: units now, where you take people and put them in, and they can't get out. And you, you hear more and more stories in the news of, you know, this woman walking away and disappearing. Yeah. It's, it's just
4: now to the credit. I mean, all of us are, I think, changing that yeah. approach, yeah. and the federal government. Um, From the Congress to President Obama have taken this problem very seriously in the last few years. They've increased funding to Alzheimer's disease, realizing that it's fiscally responsible to solve this before it Mm -hmm. cripples our country.
2: And And really, that's just money, I guess. Money and people. There's probably – the people will come if the money was there. And
4: the reality is that we have a track record – Quite frankly, as in the United States and in other in other countries, as biomedical researchers, if there's resources yeah. and people, we can find a way to stop these diseases. We've done it many times in the past. We expect to do it again in the future. So, while I've probably given the tone a bit that you know we're not there yet in yeah. Alzheimer's disease, I, I'm not being pessimistic at all. What I what I'm saying is that this change in the approach to the disease, to the disease is creating an environment where I am confident we'll come up with something. Now, the timeline may not Mm -hmm. be what we all want it to be.
2: Even if it's just preventative, really, because then it's just genetic counseling and we figure out what you've got and you can prevent it or minimize it.
4: And and in a lot of ways, that would be ideal because I don't know if you know the numbers, but, you know, individuals over age 80 in the United States, yeah. 40% of them have Alzheimer's
2: disease. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. And and I guess that's the other thing is it gets mixed in with dementia and uh, whatever, conditions, incident to age. We have all these different ways yeah. of describing what it is. So
4: that's another misconception that people have that I discuss often is what is dementia yeah. versus Alzheimer's disease. And so dementia is actually a symptom. Oh, of, it's of it's tangles not its own, and It's plaques. not its own disease. It's yeah. a symptom. And many... It can be caused by many different diseases. It can be caused by vitamin B deficiencies. Right? Interesting. But the most common cause of dementia is Alzheimer's. Especially disease. in
2: in seniors, I'm Especially assuming. Especially in elderly individuals. So if somebody's yeah. over 80, 40% chance you've got Alzheimer's setting in anyway.
4: Yeah. So, and that's what I'm it's saying. It's like prostate
2: cancer. Everybody's going to, every guy will die with prostate it, cancer.
4: Because it's so common, I think, you know, we're at a point where we have to recognize that we need a solution. Yeah. And we need it. We need it sooner rather than later and we can't hide from the disease. That's huge. We can't pretend that it's not a big deal. Uh we need to really take it head on. And again, I feel like as a as a country, as a community, we're starting to really make progress in that direction. And and because of that, I'm optimistic the scientists plus the resources will result in prevention.
2: Well and it seems like too the money seems almost inevitable to come with baby boomers starting to age. You know what I mean? It's, it's like yeah. now it's going to get a lot of attention.
4: The reality is, though, it's been a challenge. I mean, that? pharmaceutical companies have recognized this coming need for Alzheimer's disease, disease therapies. And they've put billions of dollars yeah. into developing therapies and they've failed miserably for they d- decades. They now. can't. Yeah. And, and it just it's a very difficult disease. And so in in that situation you, you we've actually seen in the past few years big pharmaceutical companies dropping their Alzheimer's programs oh wow because they just you know yeah. they've reached the point where more investment they're not seeing that as being profitable so it really is important that the country get behind mm-hmm. uh, a a solution
2: again if we can go to pluto
4: yeah we can <laughs> figure we can out Alzheimer's this. yeah
2: what would you just say as we kind of wrap it up what what would you say to the family that currently has somebody with alzheimer's they're suffering through it but the kids are now worried i may have this what should they do what can they do yeah. to, to do to have hope to have something to do
4: so i think there's really two things i mean one is to follow the the simple health guidelines that we all understand and have difficulty following yeah. right eat a heart and brain healthy diet um Stay socially active. Stay intellectually active. Stay physically active. Um, that's an ob- those are obvious things, and they will help. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll they'll push the onset back. They'll allow you to deal with it, uh, you know, better if it does come. The second thing is to be active in committing whatever resources you can. And when I say resources, I don't just mean money. Yeah. Um, to to being a champion of this cause. And the Alzheimer's Association has a very active chapter here in Utah. They're fantastic. Um, There's opportunities to be involved in support groups, uh, to be involved in health fairs, to to support their efforts. And uh, there's opportunities to donate your time and effort in clinical trials. uh, And there's also opportunities to provide resources to directly to researchers or to associations like the Alzheimer's mm-hmm. Association that are doing a lot of good and that's what it's going to take i've said it already once and and, and bring
2: I'll, it out of the light i mean bring it out into the light quit absolutely hiding it away you
4: know be you know we had recently the the ice bucket challenge yeah. for parkinson's disease and and we need to own alzheimer's disease that same way and say oh, that's yes my loved ones dealing with this and i'm afraid i might be too and let's Let's, take Let's it talk ahead. and get it out there. Oh, Absolutely. it's powerful.
2: Well, Dr. John Keoni, we appreciate you, Dr. John Keoni, Kawaii, We appreciate you. Uh, really great. It's so good to bring the experts on that have a clue. Otherwise, we just keep throwing it out there, pretending like we <laughs> well, know. It's
4: a pleasure to be here, and it's something I really am passionate about. We'll and, have um, you back every time
2: me. you're making a breakthrough. Which at your rate, probably. Every other quarter, every quarter (laughs) that would be great. (laughs) That'd be great. Every time you release a new paper, well, we appreciate you again. uh, Doctor Kawai is um, the professor, associate professor of biology, and head of bioinformatics here at Brigham Young University. But two folks, listen to what he's saying. Uh, Be the difference. If if it's in your family, let's step out a little bit more. And if it's not, get your resources, your time, your talents, your money let's fix this push your politicians for heaven's sakes Alzheimer's Ugh. we'll take a break friends we'll come back uh, wrap it up I'll share a personal story with you about uh, the strength I've seen in my own family from uh, people that have gone through this uh, this this tragedy of Alzheimer's we'll be right back this is the Matt Townsend show you're listening to us right here on BYU Radio to the Matt Townsend Show. Ugh, Alzheimer's. Seriously. One of the hardest things uh, I think families can go through. But there's there's something I learned. So I I, uh, I married into a family where there was my, my grandfather-in-law, my grandmother-in-law, Bill and Margaret, cutest couple you've ever seen, loved each other to death. Um, Bill would take care of Margaret. Margaret would take care of Bill. It was kind of an old-school marriage where Bill would... You know, go to work, bring home the bacon, and Margaret would fry it up in the pan. And uh, Margaret took care of the inside stuff. Bill took care of the outside of the house kind of stuff. Cute family. And um, after about 60 or so years of marriage, uh, Margaret got Alzheimer's. His, His beautiful wife had Alzheimer's. And it was a really interesting change because it used to be that Margaret kind of took care of Bill. And then it got to this point where for the first time, Bill had to totally take care of Margaret and he clothed her and he bathed her and he fed her and he did her hair. He'd fluff up her henna colored hair with his big sausagey hands and he just served her and he cared for her. And it it was so amazing to watch what happened to this man, Bill, as he got to fully serve his wife as she went through Alzheimer's. It was truly beautiful. In fact, one day we went to take him to dinner, and uh, he was he had spent forever getting Margaret ready, and and he was just doing her hair. And finally, we we left, and we were a little late. And I'm like, Bill, why do you spend so much time helping Margaret with her hair? And he just looked at me, and he said, Well, because that's what she would want. And I was like, Oh, okay. We're we're t- we're doing what Margaret wants. We're taking care of Margaret, Margaret's way, and um. Anyway, after many years of this, four years of him taking care of her, she eventually died of of Alzheimer's. And I remember the night she died, he broke down crying. And he just looked at me and he, he said, well, now, Matt, who am I going to serve? He was just devastated. And a few months later, we had a family reunion and Bill stood up in front of the family. And he told us all this great advice. He said, look, I spent my life loving one woman. But he said, I did not come to fully love her until the last four years of her life when I got the chance to fully serve her. And then this is the advice he gave all of us, and this is probably applies to all of us in our marriages. He says, do not wait till your wife or your spouse is dying before you earn that love, before you work so hard for them. And you serve them so consistently. Don't wait for death before that happens. Serve them now. Love them now when they're healthy. Give all of that energy now. That way you can have that love now instead of only at the end of their life. So it's advice I end up giving everybody is in the end, we're we're eventually going to be in a a kind of a one-sided relationship eventually anyway because all of our partners will eventually get sick to one degree or another. But let's start serving them now. Let's give that same attention and care for our partner now and see if it doesn't grow the love that we saw with my, my grandparents-in-law. Folks, Alzheimer's, it's not, it's not. But do some research on it. Don't just run from it. Don't be afraid of it. Be, be a volunteer. Contribute. Do what you can. Go to the Alzheimer's Association. Let's change this. Let's change it. If not, it's just going to impact us sometime deeply. That's it. Hour number one, folks. Thanks for joining us. We'll take a break. Remember, we can't do the show without you. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show.
1: Your guide on the side.
0: Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show.
0: Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU.
1: This
2: is the Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio.
5: BYU Radio.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Doctor Matt here, your life coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to give you the experts, the tools, the uh, you know the backstories to all of the other news stories you're hearing. Every news outlet will give you two minutes per story, but we go in deep. We go in. We find the uh, the real deal makers, the decision makers, those in the know. And then we bring you some interviews with them. So you get, you get the real story. That way you can take care of your family, make the decisions you need to make. Hey, by the way, happy gummy worm day. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm gummy worms. Nothing says worms better than gummy worms. Is that just gross or what? But today, gummy worms, one of the most popular uh, gummy candies. Isn't that great? Invented, apparently, by a company, Trolley, in 1981. By the way, it started with gummy bears. They were invented about 60 years before gummy worms. The word gummy, by the way, is German for what, Ben? Rubber. Mmm, rubber. Gum worms. Rubber, rubber worms. So anyway, happy gummy day. I, by the way, just of total... Irony, I ate gummy bears last night. I was consuming gummy bears with my children. Mm. I like to eat the head off the bear first. Then I like to eat its little paws and arms. And then at last I save its torso. That's how I eat a gummy bear. How do you eat a gummy bear? By the way, I eat cinnamon bears exact same way. I always like to behead them. Maybe I'm a terrorist. I'm the Hannibal Lecter of gummy worms that's what Terry calls me. It's sad, but it's totally true. So happy gummy worm day. You didn't even know it was that big of a day, did you? Uh great uh just it's a great day. Come on, it's Wednesday, right? It's Wednesday. I got to make sure. Okay. It's hump day. You're halfway through the week. And if you're if you're Kathy Aiken, you're almost done because she's not coming in on Friday. Or tomorrow. Or tomorrow. Slacker. Why? Trek. Oh yeah. So we do this thing. The LDS Church, you know, they're known for the pioneers that crossed the plains, and they had handcart companies. They pull handcarts all their belongings. They they crossed the country. Come on, and a lot of times uh, our youth groups will go out and they will walk, you know, fifteen to twenty miles, pulling handcarts to kind of reenact that. And you are going to do that.
3: We're going to Wyoming to where the Martin and Willie Handcart Company where went through and, and and suffered,
2: and a lot of them died greatly. in the a lot winter. Of them died, right. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go up there and reenact that, but it's the summer, so it seems right. like it'll be easier.
3: It, yeah, it'll be hotter for sure. It'll I for think sure I'd be rather, yeah, I'd definitely rather have the heat than the snow.
2: And you're yeah. going to have a ton of youth. How many kids are going?
3: Uh ninety-eight youth, and Holy I believe cow. there's seventy adults. They left Monday, so I'm actually coming late. But uh, tomorrow, <laughs> you're just going to pull
2: up in your. Hyundai.
3: Yeah, say hey, see ya, and they'll <laughs> be all great. dirty, and I'll be nice and clean. Yeah. But tomorrow is a thirteen-mile. Uh,
2: That's a big deal. A
3: Walk, so that will be a big deal. That'll it, be the one that really tests everybody. And it
2: ends. It's a faith promoter, really, because these, so. they they have to. In, in some of these days, they'll do a situation because back in the pioneer days, the husband may have died or whatever, and the and the mom just has to pull the cart and get right. her kids. We have
3: what's called the Women's Poll. That's right. So it's just up to the women. Yeah. So it is a great—it's very faith-promoting and um, something that really changes lives. Well, be careful. I'm really looking forward to it. I will.
2: (laughs) You know, wear wear really good shoes. I have good shoes. And thank you for sending me the article on Plantar. You're welcome. That's really— Did you read it? I did. This is—it's good. It's good to learn.
3: That's why I'm going without a plantar problem, and I'm hoping I don't get a plantar mm-hmm. problem after 13 miles. Wear good shoes, and yes. then I,
2: you know what, find people to rub your feet.
3: <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I will do that. Yeah. I have some you know, some youth that I could pick on. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I've got it's, stuff on. I've got info yeah. on that. As long
2: as you, if you've got dirt on the youth, then have them rub your feet. So <laughs> exactly. be careful. That could get you in trouble. <laughs> Kathy Aiken let's get to the headlines.
3: Good morning, everyone. With Republicans strongly against the new Iranian nuclear deal, Vice President Joe Biden is heading to Capitol Hill today to try and change minds. House Speaker John Boehner said he'll do everything he can to stop the agreement, while President Obama vowed to veto any plan to do so. Former Secretary of State and Democratic frontrunner for President Hillary Clinton called for the accord called the accord an important step in stopping Iran's nuclear program. The deal calls for a lifting of sanctions on Iran in exchange for the country curbing its uranium enrichment for the next 10 years. Two people are dead and six remain unaccounted for after heavy rain caused flash flooding in Kentucky yesterday and the state's governor declared a state of emergency. Several trailer homes were washed away and trees were uprooted in the town of Flat Gap. The search is resuming today for the missing. A video per reportedly shows a Planned Parenthood executive explaining how they sell body parts from aborted babies. Last year, a group called the Center for Medical Progress secretly shot the video. Two undercover workers posed as representatives of a human biologics company. Planned Parenthood senior director of medical services describes how abortionists harvest organs from aborted babies. She reportedly added how they're able to acquire the organs based on the need without crushing them. Planned Parenthood released a statement saying they've done nothing wrong and accused the Center for Medical Progress for releasing a heavily edited video. NASA got the call it was hoping for last night, a signal sent by the New Horizons spacecraft that it survived its flyby of Pluto. Mission Control got word last night that the probe survived, and it expects to receive images of the flyby sometime this afternoon. The American League once again beat the National League in baseball's All-Star Game last night. Angel slugger Mike Trout led off with a home run, the first player to do so in 38 years. Trout also became the first player to win two straight MVP awards. The AL will now have home field advantage in the World Series, that would be the 10th time in 13 years. And give it up for Boston Matt. Yes. What? The once massive pile of snow officially is gone.
2: That last little that last chunk little melted.
3: Drop of water. <laughs> the pile started as a 70-foot tower of snow. After a record-breaking uh, winter of 110 inches on the city, Mayor Martin welsh Walsh excuse me—held a contest to see who could correctly name the day it would all be gone. And it, so the winner will be announced today. I'm not sure what the does, prize is. The
2: winner should get all of the junk they found in that snow. 80 pack. tons of garbage. 80 tons. Can you believe that? That Ew, is. That just, that's gross. Because remember, they were just all. That's all they would do is they would just scoop it up, push it down streets, scoop yep. it up. Take it to this place and just dumped this huge, massive island of ice. Yeah.
3: I wonder when, like yesterday, they were looking at that last drop of water Uh and gone. Oh, there we go. Can't you see all the
2: city officials gathering around? Yeah,
3: exactly. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. (laughs) Official evaporation.
2: That's crazy. So, but then along with it was just because every time you shovel up snow, there's going to be dirt and grit and sand. And so you got 80 tons. What do you do with the junk?
3: Oh, I don't know. Can you imagine eighty tons of garbage? There's going to be watches
2: and money. Yeah, you're probably going to find a body. There's lots of people
3: there with their, you know.
2: Yeah, their little, their little wands. Uh, yeah, they're what do they the call metal, that? Metal yeah, they're metal or detectors. Yeah,
3: metal detectors. <laughs> yeah, you could probably find some good stuff. in there. You really
2: ought. They they could do some open it up for some mining. Let them mm. mine out all the goods.
3: I think though the best prize was a as a week trip or at least a week to Hawaii oh, after think, all that. Yeah, yeah. The palm trees and anything Hawaii, not snow.
2: Hawaii could probably use some of that grit and dirt. You know what I mean? Keep Build up the island. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I'll wanna... just
3: take the sun. I'll take the sun.
2: How cool. Uh, congrats to Boston.
3: That was a long winter. I don't envy them at all. Isn't
2: that funny? It, the, their winter of discontent. Ours it's just was barely so ended. mild, and I theirs know.
3: was, I felt bad for them, kind of.
2: If, but again, if it, if it had been in Utah, we probably, we would have been more used to that much snow. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, yeah. not maybe that much. They had crazy And snow we
3: need experience. it. We need it.
2: Well, we good news. Uh, good news for Boston. You can relax now. Just go move the junk. Life is good. Uh, we're going to take a break. Come back. When we come back, we'll be talking to Peter Tarlow, who is an expert in tourism and security. When you think about it, in fact, even just recently, we had a, a there was a terrorist attack in Tunisia, if you remember that. And I don't know if you remember, but what they were attacking were were tourist sites. And I remember way back in the day, way back in the day, uh, Attacking tourist sites is how a lot of this began. If you remember, one of bin Laden's earliest strikes, I believe, was in Petra at a, at the, at a sacred you know site in Jordan and boom, it was basically where they opened fire up on on a bunch of uh, tourists. So is it safe to travel today? You might want to listen to the next segment because our next guest will be walking us through what you need to do to make sure you are safe and secure as you're traveling abroad. Uh, Interesting insights if you have any plans coming up uh, for any travel. Stick with us, folks. We're giving you the tools you need to have a healthier, happier life. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back talking tourism and security up next. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. You know, each of us can remember that heartbreak and the hysterias that followed the terrorist attacks on September 11th. You know, the days, the months that followed the attack brought heightened awareness to the dangers of travel, tighter security measures. But, you know, after almost 14 years now, are we any safer than we were back in 2001? Have we continued to improve security measures, or have we become too relaxed and complacent in our travels once again do you worry? I mean, I remember back in the day, we used to worry about traveling, like going abroad. And uh, and now I wonder if, you know, a lot of that isn't just loosening. So we wanted to bring in a guest today. Dr. Peter Tarlow is joining us. He's an expert specializing in the impact of crime and terrorism on the tourism industry. Um, he's also here to, uh, to just help us understand what to do, how to, how to travel, and make sure that uh, we're as safe as we can be as we 're out there, Dr. Peter Tarlow, thank you for joining us.
5: Thank you for having me.
2: great to have you and so talk to us when when we think about this uh, peter do we are we safer as we travel today Are we any safer today than we were when nine eleven hit
5: i i I think it's almost impossible to answer that question, or I was listening to your lead in, and my answer to that would have been all of the above. Hmm. So in some ways, yes, we're safer. But we're also fighting the last battle. So the issue is, if terrorists want to use the techniques that they used in 9-11, I think we've done a pretty good job of protecting the public from those types of terrorism attacks. Now, the assumption that I just said is, if they want to continue using the tactics of 9-11. On the other hand... If terrorists have changed with new tactics, then that's going to create some other issues for us.
2: I know lone wolf is a big deal that we hear a lot about, and I know you talk about that a lot. Talk, talk about how the lone wolf idea...
5: Well, I'm not really sure it's so much as... Uh, I like the word lone wolf, rather yeah. than I would call it single-cell groups. And the reason for that is that these are people who basically are not totally alone. They share a common ideology. Um. But what they're doing is they're self-actualizing. Now, the problem that we have is that it's not... A lone wolf leads us to believe that this just hit somebody out of the sky. There was no plans, and no, no one has uh, been forced to come to a new ideological awakening. We might say a very bad awakening, but it would be an awakening. I would argue the other way around. There's an incredible amount of material out there on social media. On the net, of which certain psychological types of individuals will buy into, and they then therefore become single cells. Yeah. They are united by a common ideology. Some of those common ideologies are they dislike democracy, they tend to see the United States as a symbol of ideological concepts which they dislike, they very much dislike the idea of equality of women. They dislike the idea of capitalism. they dislike the idea that um, people will judge human beings as individuals rather than as groups mm. and when you put those together, you have a large number of people now, one of the things I think we need to be scared of is while the percentages are low, the large number of those percentages are such a large number of people that you end up with a, a an actual Number of potential terrorists, for example, if we look at the Muslim world, about 90% of the Muslim world rejects negative, uh, rejects uh, militaristic terrorism. Yeah. However, 10% is 100 million people.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: So that it's true, 900 million people may be against it, but I still have to deal with a, with a world that provides for me 100 million people, and that's a lot of people to deal with. And that could be also the same on the right wing. It could be fascists. It could be Nazis. It could be all sorts of...
2: Racists, as we racist. just saw in the United States.
5: Exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't think really we want to focus on any one group. That would be a mistake.
2: So all right.
5: The second part of it is is that sometimes those extreme groups to the right and the left end up with common hatreds. So they end up, as much as they hate each other, they hate us more.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we become the target either way, and we 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 just saw this in Tunisia. I mean, Tunisia there was a terrorist attack. It was probably held out by a cell, you know, a a certain group of uh, of terrorists. But they specifically targeted tourists.
5: Yes, specifically. Now, tourism has been a magnet for terrorism. If we take military um, terrorism off the table and we just look at civilian terrorism, about eighty percent of Attacks against civilians have something to do with tourism. So, to your original question, are we safer? Well, if they use the same tactics as 14 years ago, yeah. If they use new tactics, we have a major
2: problem. Right. Well, and, and I mean, it's because it used to be, you know, we'd go to Mexico and we'd worry about somebody stealing our wallet. Right. Or be, you know, still, being take, yeah should. yeah. Uh, we, I guess we still should, huh? But now we actually worry that they might sh- they might steal our identity or they might steal bank access.
5: Other than that, we don't know who's across the border. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm in Mexico all the time. I have lots of good friends in Mexico. My Mexican friends tell me that one should be leery of the potential of ISIS groups five miles from the U.S. border. If that's true or not, yeah, I haven't been there. I can't prove that, I'm only giving you hearsay evidence. But there's a lot of hearsay evidence, and it wouldn't take much to cross the U.S.-Mexican border, as we well know. Huh, that's so true. I don't think we should only be thinking about, you know, will you get uh, a little bit of the runs, or yeah. might your wallet be stolen? I think there's more issues in the poorest border to worry about. And everything I know, a terrorist also knows.
2: Well, and in fact, let's talk about that. What are, what, do you, what are the biggest concerns that we should be worried about as a tourist?
5: Well, I as a tourist, I think there's three areas. I think one, uh, I would divide it issues of health, issues of crime, and issue of violence. Now, It really doesn't matter if somebody shoots you in a robbery or they shoot you in a terrorist attack. You're still dead. Yeah. So uh, that's why I'm going to put it in those three categories. Depending upon where you go. One, you should certainly find out what health issues are there, and that's including travel within the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, So one, look at health issues, quality of water, quality of medicine, and also most Americans don't realize when you travel abroad, your health insurance is not good. The most it will do for you is if you end up, say, I don't know, let's say in Argentina, They won't take your Blue Cross Blue Shield or whatever it happens to be, as you are in the United States. What they will do is charge you the full amount, and then you can take that back to the United States and ask for a refund. Yeah. So if you're not carrying a credit card with at least $10,000 on it, they may not accept you in the hospital, even though their law will say it has to happen. So, one, when you're going abroad, make sure either get international health insurance, or carry a credit card with at least $10,000 on it hmm. so that if you have to pay for it out of pocket and then get reimbursed, you can at least do that. That's that's the first thing. to uh, Wow, so
2: that's I'll that's great advice. I didn't even know that. But, yeah, yeah, I can totally see.
5: Yeah. I mean, they don't know that you're going to pay them back when you're in the U.S. And right. they don't know the, the U.S. insurance company is going to pay them. Yeah. So, so they want their money up front.
2: That's right. Well, in a lot of these countries, it's, you know... insurance is a hard thing anyway. Some countries don't even have it.
5: Yes, well, and on the other hand, just so people are understanding, it's around the world. In other words, if you're a French citizen, unless you've bought American health insurance or have an international health insurance policy, the same thing is going to happen. They're going to demand that you pay up front at an American hospital, which will not be cheap. Yeah. And then you take that money back to your insurance company in France, and hopefully they will repay you. So, I, so it's that's standard practice, just most people aren't told that. And they say, oh, yeah, we'll cover you internationally, but that means we'll pay you back when you get to your home country.
2: Well, yeah, and, and maybe that means you need to, you know, if you're feeling a little sick, you need to maybe think about traveling before you go. To have yeah. an appendicitis in Argentina, right. it's going to set you back.
5: Yeah, it is. Now, hopefully your American insurance company will, you know, give you that money back. Right. But... There's a whole series of issues, including money transfer. Secondly, when you're traveling, so that's one issue, the whole health issue. The second, I would say, is what I would call issues of money, and that deals with everything from uh, identity theft to the fact that most credit cards charge you 3% anytime you do a transaction in a currency other than the U.S. dollar. Mm. So you want to check with your credit card. Thirdly, before you go... America, I have to go tomorrow to Puerto Vallarta. I, as soon as I'm done with this conversation, I'm calling my credit card companies make sure they know where I'm going to be Okay. so that they don't close my credit card.
2: Yeah, watch them shut you down. And,
5: exactly. Yeah. They say, oh, look at this person has five purchases in Costa Rica. Tough. Done. So, so you want to make sure your credit card company and you are on the same <laughs> page. Thirdly, you want to make sure you understand what the cost is. In um, will they accept the U.S. dollar? Will they not accept the U.S. dollar? Uh, many countries, with hard currencies, are a little bit afraid of the dollar. Now, the dollar sometimes goes up, sometimes mm-hmm. goes down. So, are you going to want dollars? Well, maybe yes or maybe no. If you're going to have to change money, don't change. It's going to cost you to change it. Don't change too much because when you want to come back you're going to have to rechange it back it's going to cost you twice so make sure that you think through how much you're going to need a smart thing to do is have as much paid for before you go
2: yeah like prepay huh
5: yeah and there's if you're going to have your hotel paid for already you've solved those problems yeah next don't take something you can't afford to lose <laughs> and what i mean right. that i mean that also when it comes to issues of something which is sentimental. You know, don't take your grandmother's ring <laughs> right. that's worthless, but is a family heirloom and gonzo. That's and remember, true. anybody can break into a safe in the hotel room.
2: Right. I mean, I can break into my own safe in the hotel room
5: Right. <laughs> when exactly. I forget
2: my password. <laughs>
5: yes, exactly. So, it, so you're assuming everybody who's working in that hotel is safe. Now, including the United States, almost no one vets people who work in hotels. Uh, I did a study in Florida. Um, I won't say where, but a major tourism area of Florida. 33% of the hotels that I checked had people working in them with felony records. Oh, wow. Wow. Now, that doesn't mean because you have a felony record that you're a criminal for life. Yeah. But many of those people do come back for a second and third Tours of um,
2: prisons. So, sure, you know so that I- is that's such a crazy stat because we don't we yeah, we don't even think of that, and then here you're doing the research. Yeah, thirty three percent of yeah. people in hotels have felonies. Uh, let's let's take a break. Again, we're talking with Peter Tarlow, Doctor Peter Tarlow, and he's he's uh, from Tour uh, Tourism and uh, a great resource uh, about how to be safer and more secure as you travel, as you go touring. We're going to come back, continue to address the other issues of crime, of violence, how to make sure you're safe. If you're going to go out and have a vacation, you may as well have a vacation. Don't just set yourself up for issues. He's walking us through all the little details for safe travel. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to The Matt Townsend Show. Joining us on the phone is uh, Dr. Peter Tarlow. He's an expert specializing in the impact of crime and terrorism on the tourism industry and uh, has been basically researching and, um, and and just trying to educate people on tourism and the challenges that we face uh, security-wise uh, for many, many years. He has a website, tourismandmore.com which is a, a great resource of just thoughts, his latest articles, his his books. Um, he's joining us again today, just helping us understand what we can do to travel and, and be safer as we travel. Dr. Peter Tarlow, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Great to have you here. Um, when you think about, so you've been kind of walking us through the, the safety, the health things, the the health focus that we need to have to make sure we're safe, uh, focusing on our money to protect our, our money. But then crime is another issue you were talking about. Thirty-three percent, you said before the break, of people that are working at hotels have some criminal record.
5: Well, let me make sure that. Yeah, clarify that. Was that. One study that I did. Okay. So I have not done.
2: Yeah, and yes, that, yeah, so that okay, may have been that, just one way, area. The
5: whole world. Um, and. But you know, but at least in that one study, that's what
2: came out. Well, and nonetheless, we don't. No matter what, we don't seem to do background checks that's just true. to get somebody you, working at a hotel.
5: Is there exceptions that rule Las Vegas does a very good job of background okay yeah hm. but um Las Vegas is the exception rather than the rule around the world
2: well sure yeah i guess too they're all those are all casinos generally too and so that's a whole different ball game anyway
5: sure it is exactly but they do uh, anybody who works in a casino hotel has got to get a uh, background check by the police
2: hmm. so what what else do we need to worry about when it just comes to crime as we're traveling okay, let's, I mean, a lot of times tourists, especially Americans, it seems like, we're, you know, we're kind of bold, we're loud maybe, we we might be a really big target.
5: Okay. So one, um, the first thing you want to do is don't make yourself a target. Right. Don't try to dress like the local population. Two, don't put your wallet, if if you're a man, in your back pocket, put it in your front pocket and put a rubber band going in each direction in your front pocket, Hmm. whether it's Going uh, both vertically and horizontally, so that if anybody tries to pull it out you 'll feel that very quickly yeah uh, thirdly, don 't walk around carrying a map in your hand uh, <laughs> that's, or, and a camera around your yeah. neck As a matter of fact if you 're a woman don't put your purse around your neck i 'd rather lose my purse than lose my neck sure so uh, and if you're a woman, walk on the keep your purse over your shoulder, on the inside of the, uh, of the sidewalk, not on the outside, so somebody can't come by in a motor scooter and grab it, which is, for example, a problem in Italy.
2: Yeah, uh, they, kind of the hit and run. They grab it and yes, go.
5: Exactly, grab and go. Um, you want to try to know at least a few words in the local language. Not everyone in the world speaks English. They're not required to speak English. And when you start screaming at somebody in English... One, raising your voice does not make them understand you any better. If the person isn't deaf, they don't speak your language. Yeah. So screaming does no good except calling attention to yourself. Try to You can get statistics on the web or from police. Um, now, the statistics should be taken with a grain of salt because most tourists don't report the crimes. So whatever the statistics are, up them by about... Ten times them, I in mean, you're probably mm. closer to reality. Yeah. And that's also true in the United States. That's uh, universally. And as most tourists say, I'm leaving in two days, they're not going to find it anyway. I don't want to waste my time looking for a police station. They just let it go.
2: Yeah, write so, it off. That's, that's interesting, isn't yeah. it? See, we really don't know how safe or unsafe some of these no, places we are.
5: We, I, I tell police when I train them, and I train police all over the world, I'm not saying you're lying, but I'm saying I. I don't think your statistics are accurate, hmm. uh, and that's not what they have is accurate. Is that most people don't report it? So if you well, don't I mean, report it,
2: yeah, that, I wouldn't report it if you know if yeah. you lost your wallet and yeah. fifty bucks. All right.
5: Yeah. Now, what? The, interestingly enough, the people who do have a tendency to report it are the people who tend to have stolen the things from themselves. That <laughs> is, I want a new camera, so I choose to lose my camera. Oh yeah. So what we have is people who actually are victims often don't report, and those who are not victims often do report. Huh. So it it really skews the statistics. You've got to be very careful in that type of stuff. You can, though, if you can find a local person, they can often give you good information. Uh, if nothing else, someone in a hotel often will be willing to tell you, hey, don't go down that street or be in by 9 o'clock or to the best of our knowledge, we haven't heard any problems.
2: Yeah. Talk to the locals, right? Yeah, Talk to the exactly. concierge. Find out what's safe, right. what's not.
5: And if you have somebody that you can either get through your church or synagogue or some way find a local person in the country, they can also give you really good information. Yeah. I've discovered churches and synagogues are wellsprings of information that you don't get um, from other sources.
2: It's a great idea.
5: So that's another way to... Uh, you know, discuss, uh, figure out where you're going. So today, I would say, if you think through, don't walk on the street with more money than you can afford to lose. <laughs> on the other hand, don't go on the street without any money, because if somebody tries to rob you and you have no money, they may get so furious hmm. that they stab you. So you want to have at least fifty dollars so that you can buy the person off. Yeah, but you don't want to have five thousand, so it's It's a tragedy. Keep your um, card numbers and your vital information in two or three places uh, so that don't just walk with your credit cards in your wallet. Make sure it's locked up someplace else so that if somebody does steal your credit card, you can call immediately and get it canceled. Um, I was in Philadelphia. I think I was having... Lunch with the Chief of Police of Philadelphia about eight years ago, and all of a sudden we walked down and i said i don't have my credit card." I, I, so I went back into the restaurant and the guy said, "Oh no, you didn't leave it here. we don't know where it is." Well, of course, I called and cancelled it immediately, mm. but discovered seven other people that day had also accidentally lost their credit card.
2: Oh, my heavens.
5: And, and it was the waiter who was getting those credit cards lost.
2: Oh, I thought it was the police chief.
5: No, the police <laughs> chief, but it, was, but it actually was not smart of the waiter to decide to rip me off.
2: Of all One times, of his,
5: yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was <in> his, <laughs> the waiter's smartest move. Um, <laughs> the Philadelphia police made sure to catch that guy. Yeah. But notice, I had my numbers. I could immediately call the 800 number and say, look, this credit card's missing. They got me a credit card the next day. That's great. And uh, meanwhile, it stopped a whole series of other problems.
2: I mean, that's 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 it. I mean, it's, some of this is just being prepared enough, right, to, to know where your numbers are. You can make the quick call. Your insurance or these card companies, they want to help you. They still want you to spend money while you're down there. That's right. They'll, they'll find a way.
5: They'll, 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 they'll get to you almost any place in the world. They will get your card the next day.
2: Are are there certain places? Again, we're speaking with Dr. Peter Tarlow from the website Tour, Tour, TourismAndMore.com. dot com, right? And uh, he's teaching us about tr- travel and and going on vacation and our security out there. Is are there certain places right now that you would just suggest we don't go right now? Now's not a good time to maybe go to, you know, Middle East or whatever. Are there certain areas, or are yeah, you okay going uh, anywhere?
5: Well. First of all, it could happen any place. Yeah. I don't think that either the United States... First of all, I think you have to be careful what it is. Are you looking at an issue of crime? Are you looking at an issue of terrorism? Are you looking at an issue of personal crime? For example, I don't... And I worked with Brazil. I don't expect Brazil to have a terrorist attack. On the other hand, they have a very large number of murders. Hmm. So you're still dead.
2: Yeah, either way.
5: (laughs) Now, we had... Two years ago or last year, the issue of people coming up and randomly raping people on buses, mm. uh, and then having a gun to the driver, so the driver had to drive while some other guy was raping the poor young lady. Oh man! Including tourists, two French tourists were raped that way. So that's not a terrorism attack, but it's still an act of violence. Yeah. So one, I, before I think violence can take place any place. The issue is. Try to understand what type of violence. Now, certainly, some Middle Eastern. Kind, would I go to Syria right now on vacation? Probably not. <laughs> no. Would not be. Would I go to Iraq? Probably not. On the other hand, um, Israel is probably safer than most of Europe. Yeah. So, um, it, and, and the and the only reason you get a lot of reportage out of Israel is you have 720 reporters in Jerusalem who have nothing to do. <laughs> So if somebody sneezes, the question is, is that a biological attack? So they have to justify their jobs. Yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, you have large potential explosive situations in most of Europe today. Uh, the United States has high crime rates uh, through many of our major cities. And, uh, you know, you're safer in Baghdad than you are in Detroit.
2: Well, that's Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's where all the secured you know bases are and
5: yeah exactly so we have to be very careful mexico has places that are unsafe and mexico has places that are relatively safe uh central america i don't think we're going to see major terrorism attacks the other one possible exception is panama because of the panama canal but you have the most dangerous country in the world is honduras Mm -hmm. and while you won't have a terrorist blowing up you have all sorts of uh, narco, uh, narco in Spanish. Uh, yeah, n- uh, traffickers, traffickers
2: you know, and drug, yeah. Uh,
5: who are, um, you know, turning a place like Tegucigalpa uh, into a nightmare. So I tell people, first, we're all in God's hands. If you're meant to die, you're going to die. Hmm. Yeah. And you can't live in fear. And that's, that's not gonna, you know, then you're living a, a living death, so that's stupid. What I would suggest is, if you want to go someplace, go, do a little bit of research. What are the types of problems that they have there? Once you have the research, you can be able to figure it out. Now, if you're going to um, a place which does have issues of terrorism, for example, Pakistan, um, Indonesia. On the whole, I probably would not stay in a major American hotel. Yeah,
2: don't don't look American.
5: Yeah, I would, and, and, and don't be. An yeah. Person. In other words, American hotels tend to get bombed more than anybody else. So, what I would do is I would stay in some sort of boutique hotel. Yeah. That people don't, you know, just a quiet. You can get a lovely bed and breakfast or boutique hotel, and you're not calling attention to yourself, and you probably have a better time.
2: Well, yeah, as opposed to a Marriott. Yeah. That is just. Oozing Americana, right? So yeah,
5: yeah. I mean, I, I didn't want to say any particular. Yeah,
2: but no, I, I get it, and I think that's. I mean, I, that honestly, it, that's. It, some of that is just, just kind of use your senses, right? Be yeah. smart. So Be smart I think about think
5: it. Don't go to Indonesia. Yeah. I Think just no, those Indonesia has weather problems. Does have some terrorism problems? Hmm. You wear that if you're going to uh, Quito, Ecuador, almost everybody has their cell phone stolen in Quito, Ecuador. So yeah. leave your cell phone at home, or buy a stupid phone for $40 yeah. you have to have a phone, or learn to use Skype uh, and just keep a computer in the, in the hotel room. Uh, so if you understand the problem, uh, don't think U.S. and the rest of the world. That's a mistake. First of all, the U.S. is not homogeneous. Right. There are places in the U.S. that are extraordinarily safe. And there are places that are extraordinary, less safe. Um, the same thing, you know, don't, it's not us in the world. It's each country is a particular area, and it's not even each country. It's each city or parts of cities. So there are parts of Amsterdam where I would never walk. <laughs> yeah. Are there other places... Um, you know, if I were going to go to the Van Gogh Museum I probably wouldn't be ter- or the Anne Frank House I probably wouldn't be terribly scared.
2: And it's it seems like, uh, Dr. Tarlow that some of this is just simply don't be afraid, don't hide away, get out there, still go find you know, go have these experiences but but be smart. Um man, I we really appreciate you and your insight. Really truly uh I I, I want people to to be safe. I also don't want them to just give up the dream, right? So, again, Dr. Peter Tarlow and his uh, his work there at tourismandmore.com, a great resource for you to go uh, just get the insight you need. We're going to take a break. When we come back, one of my favorite segments, we're going to go see the good in the world. Kathy Aiken's going to go show us some really uh, a really powerful story about good, healthy people. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show, uh, my favorite segment. Good. In, we're going to help you see the good in the world. Kathy Aiken goes out, finds good, healthy stories of good people, and then teaches us. Kathy, what you got today? Well,
3: Matt, you know, you talked uh, yesterday about the homeless here in Utah yeah. and how their goal is to give the homeless homes. Well, Haley Fort, a young girl from Washington, saw a need in her community, a need to help the homeless there, and it all started when she was just in the first grade. Nine-year-old Haley Fort of Bremerton, Washington, is like other girls her age. She plays with her animals, loves going to the beach, and being a member of Girl Scouts. But unlike most girls her age, Haley spends time nearly every day helping feed and aid the homeless. It all started when she was only six. I asked my mom
0: because I saw a poor man on the street,
3: and I asked if I could help, help him. So with the help of her mother, Miranda, Haley bought the man a sandwich and a bottle of water. I really want to help people as a Girl Scout. That small act of service blossomed into what's called Haley's Harvest. Wanting to give food to all in need, she started with a small 5x8 garden in her family's backyard.
0: Honestly, I thought it would last about two weeks and then she would forget about it. And then the following spring, um, I wasn't gonna mention anything to her, and we were walking through the store, and she said, "Mom, don't forget we have to pick up seeds for the garden." And that's kind of when we knew that this was just going to be her thing.
3: That thing has grown like no one expected.
0: It has gotten way bigger. We have moved, so my grandpa, he's a contractor, and came out here and expanded the garden, my garden, by um, like. So I have a four foot wide
3: by 20. I have three more of those starting. Thanks to her expansion, Haley was able to donate 128 pounds of food last year, and her goal this year, 250 pounds of some of her favorite fruits and vegetables.
0: Tomatoes, beans, peppers, broccoli, cauliflower, cucumber. When she harvests something, we will we will just drive around until she finds someone. Unfortunately, we can typically find someone in need within two miles of our own home. Um, if I can't find someone, I usually just go donate it to the fish line, which is a food bank.
3: But the nine-year-old thought her project didn't go far enough. So when someone sent her a link about portable shelters, Haley wanted to build some for her homeless friends.
0: I told my mom everyone should have a little place to sleep in, so I asked her if we could um, build like little mobile sleeping shelters. We asked Haley to set a goal, and she chose $1,000. And my husband and I looked at each other, and we're like, she's going to be so disappointed when she does not reach that goal. Um... And here we are. I don't even know what the final number is at right now.
3: The number today is over forty thousand dollars. Most of the money will go to building the shelters that Haley and her mother are working on. She says the shelters are nearly the size of a van and she's planning on adding carpet and curtains. She already knows the lucky person who will get the first one that's nearly finished. Edward
0: is one of my good friends. I've he's one of the first people I've seen the old him that just
3: Aside from the shelters, Haley is using some of her money to order more building and gardening supplies. She recently bought and distributed 10 tents to the homeless, and they purchased 10 P.O. boxes for a year.
0: If you go to apply for a job, you need a place for them to mail you things, like your check, And so having a P.O. box available to someone who is homeless helps them get back on their feet.
3: Miranda limits Haley's time on her homeless projects, wanting her 9-year-old to have fun with her friends and other things girls her age do. Then again, Haley is one of a kind, something not lost on her mother.
0: Knowing Haley, it wasn't surprising. It's just kind of who she is. She's always just been a very, very kind person.
3: A very kind 9-year-old who wants to see everyone, no matter their circumstances, have food on the table and a place to sleep. Well, it
0: makes...
2: Makes
3: me happy that I just helped someone. Wow. Nine years old. Is that amazing? Yeah, what were you doing at nine? I wasn't building shelters for the homeless. It's not that's amazing. for sure. So it's amazing. She has a Fund Me. Account, huh. and that's what the mother was talking about with a thousand dollars. That was her goal. She's and now it's 40? over forty-one thousand. I just looked up, I looked it up today. Their goal was fifty thousand. That that the GoFundMe page is, and it's over forty-one thousand dollars.
2: Nine-year-old girl up to forty-one thousand dollars.
3: A nine-year-old girl making a huge difference in her community. I mean, just. Look what we could do. You I mean, know? She to her it started off with just giving fruits and vegetables to the homeless, kind of, anyone in need, and now it's like, No mom, that's not good enough. I, I want to build these shelters. So almost, she's doing it herself. Yeah,
2: and you wonder how much as parents we might like get in the way like, oh come on, honey. Yep. Stop that.
3: And that's what I liked. Her mother said yeah. she thought it would go away until she says, "No, we need Not to great. get the seeds." And her mom right then went, "Well, okay, this is her thing." And, and still yeah, making she sure didn't. she
2: plays, go play, exactly. go have some fun.
3: Yeah, she she works every day on it. She said, and but she does limit the time because she wants her to have, I guess, a normal. Yeah, life, you want to be you would balanced. Say. Yeah, go out and have some fun.
2: I mean, yeah, at some point she's got to play with little girls too. Right. She can't just play with homeless people. Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. But she has, like she said, she has her own best friends. It's a great story. Thank you, Haley. Great
2: story. Great job, Haley. Thank you for helping us see the good in the world, too. Uh, Isn't it amazing? A little nine-year-old. Just got the spirit of service. Folks, they're out there. Hello. You are the people that uh, bring the good to the world. Don't forget that. We'll take a break. Come back. Whole new hour. New ideas. New tools. Our tech guru, Jay McFarland, will be joining us next hour. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio.
0: This is The Matt Townsend Show.
2: Your guide
1: on the side. Follow
0: Dr. Matt on Twitter.
1: At Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1
0: 855 Chat BYU.
4: This is The Matt Townsend Show.
0: Dr. Matt Townsend. Now. On BYU Radio.
4: BYU Radio. Good morning,
2: everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Top of the morning to you. How are things going? You having a great day so far? Come on, it's almost lunchtime for some of you back east. This is the program where we give you the tools, the ideas you need to live healthier, happier lives. Welcome to the show. Today we got a great show for you. In fact, um, coming up in just a few minutes, our tech guru, Jay McFarland, will be joining us. We just got. We just like to go down a rundown. Ask him everything tech, see what's going on, see what the latest and greatest. I'm going to fill him in on my new uh, watch, my new Apple Watch, which is changing my life. I now exercise again. (laughs) I was already twice a day. Twice a day, twice a day, even when I don't have to. So now I just. So you
3: have that and the Fitbit?
2: No, I gave my Fitbit to my son, and a really magical moment yesterday. He's like, Dad, I have uh, like 9,500. Steps, and my goal is ten thousand. I'm like, oh! So he just started doing laps around our house, <laughs> which is not great. That's a good go at eleven thirty at night. I'm like, you might Let just me want to see it. Let me see your watch. Just go outside.
3: Very just, nice. Yeah, it's hot. It's yeah, totally. Hot. I got the, uh, the sport watch. The sport. It's mm-hmm. sport.
2: I like the sport because it makes me feel sporty.
3: Mm-hmm. Looks sporty. Uh
2: huh. You know what? This is. I've had an evolution where I started. So I've gone from the watch before that, the Fitbit. You know what? Before that, guess what I wore before that. A Garmin. No. I don't
3: know.
2: Um, uh, an ever strong.
3: Oh, the yellow band?
2: The forever. You, the bracelet? Yeah. 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 That's it. From, Livestrong. what's his name? Strong Armstrong. Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. Because back then, they didn't have the Fitbits out. Mm-hmm. They weren't as popular. But if you wanted to look healthy and fit, you just had to wear a band.
3: The yellow one, especially. Uh-huh. Yep, I didn't that even stood have to up.
2: exercise. <laughs> I could just wear the band and everyone's like, wow, you're healthy. And I'm like, I know. Lance Armstrong. And then the roid thing came out and he's all roided up. And then I realized. Ugh. Yeah,
3: you don't see those much anymore. Mm, no, they no. kind of
2: went to the wayside. But mm-hmm. then the Fitbit came in. That made me strong and fit. Mm-hmm. And now I've got the watch. And then people keep reminding me, well, you know, the watch is one thing, but you actually have to be fit. You
3: have to do something. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Which is hard because Monday we missed Friday. Mm-hmm. Monday was the French day of, Friday. the French Friday.
3: And last week was sugar cookie day.
2: I, By the way, just so you know, on Monday, I still celebrated Friday.
3: You still ate fries. You just didn't know. Yeah, I don't that it call it private. eating
2: them. I call it celebrating. <laughs> I celebrated with a, a platter of fries.
3: My kids love to dip their fries in their Wendy's chocolate frosting. That's ever done very fun. That? Po- yeah, my yeah. kids do that too. That is good, actually. The salt, salty, and the sweet.
2: It's kind of weird. It's good. Uh, every time we bring this up, it just makes me hungry. Hungry, hungry, hungry. Uh, are you a gummy worm fan? By the way, I
3: hate gummy worms. The texture grosses me out. I don't. Well, well you never don't need to hate that. them, Kathy. Yeah. I dislike them heavily.
2: <laughs> Have you ever dumped a, uh, dropped a gummy worm into your uh, Wendy's no. Frosty?
3: No. Don't eat them. I just mm. don't. Just that texture. It's just yuck.
2: Today's gummy worm day for all of you out there that are keeping a calendar, the Matt Townsend calendar. Along with that comes uh, you know, a really interesting day every day. Gummy worm day. We're celebrating Gummy Worm Day because the word "gummy" in German means what, Ben? Rubber. Rubber. Uh, ben is our German speaker in in the in the studio. So, any if you, if any of you have a question for you know in German, if you have a language issue in Germany, give us a call one eight five five chat BYU, and you can uh, talk to Ben. He'll help you through with that. Gummy means rubber. So today is we're celebrating Rubber Worm Day. Happy Rubber Worm Day to you. Now let's go to the one whose children dips their fries into the frosty, Kathy That Aker. is
3: me, yes. Thousands of Iranian citizens celebrated in the streets of Tehran last night after the country and six world powers came to an agreement on a nuclear deal. The country's sanctions will be lifted in exchange for limiting the country's nuclear capabilities. Here is U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry.
2: United States doesn't lose anything by giving them the opportunity to prove this is a peaceful program. What's the alternative? Go to war now? You want to I mean, everybody wanted to say automatically,
7: let's bomb Iran. I mean, is that the alternative?
3: Vice President Joe Biden is heading to Capitol Hill today to try and persuade lawmakers who are against the proposal. House Republican Speaker John Boehner called the agreement unacceptable and said the House will do everything it can to stop it. Meanwhile, President Obama said he'll veto any legislation aimed at preventing the accord from moving forward. Two people are dead and six remain unaccounted for after heavy rain caused flash flooding in Kentucky yesterday, and the state's governor declared a state of emergency. Several trailer homes were washed away and trees were uprooted in the town of Flat Gap. The search for the missing resumes today. NASA's New Horizons spacecraft survived its flyby of Pluto yesterday, this after it left nearly a decade ago. Around 9 p.m. Eastern time last night, Mission Control re- received confirmation of the successful operation almost 13 hours after ...after it traveled past Pluto. To put it in perspective, it took nearly five hours for that signal to reach Earth traveling at the speed of light. The spacecraft is still compiling data and is expected to send back images this afternoon. Search teams have located the wreckage of a small plane that crashed in Washington on Saturday, a crash a 16-year-old girl was able to escape from. Autumn Veach was found Monday after walking through the forest in search of help. The girl said she couldn't help her grandparents, who were trapped in the burning wreckage. She was released from the hospital yesterday after suffering from dehydration and burns to her hands. Searchers are hoping to reach the site later today. The American League beat the National League 6-3 to in last night's Major League Baseball All-Star Game. That means the AL will have home field advantage in the World Series for the 10th time in 13 years. Angel Slugger Mike Trout became the first player in 38 years to lead off the game with a home run. He also became the first player to earn MVP in two straight All-Star Games.
4: Just trying to get a pitch I can hit. I
2: uh, got the two strikes, shot a barrel, it. put a good swing on it, and it went over the fence. You know, it's, uh, This experience has been awesome. The um, fans been great. Everything, you know, I'm um, had, had a blast.
3: Did you watch any of that, Matt?
2: You know, what? I didn't. I was teaching a workshop last night. Mm. I was saving marriages. I had to decide: do much I save marriages or do I watch the All Star Game? Mm-hmm. And yeah, might, you, you, yeah. you made the right choice. <sighs> yeah. Was it a good game?
3: Uh, you know, Sleeper? the American League is like every time they win. It's come on, National League. You know, there's so much on come the line, on. but come on. But Mike Trout is so good. You Mike know?
2: Trout is really He's good. Really good. And by the way, a great white fish.
3: Trout is a great white fish? Mhm. I'm not a fish eater. Aren't you? I hate fish.
2: Oh, have you you've never I do, love you,
3: like lobster, I love shellfish, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh fish you gotta fish You got to try new. some trout. Ugh.
2: Oh, Rocky Mountain trout. Mm. Honestly,
3: Honestly. It has a fishy taste yet. No. no,
2: it really doesn't. You put a little lemon I have on. I been
3: tilapia, that's not bad. Mhm. But, yeah, salmon and stuff, that's just too fishy for me.
2: You know, it's interesting. We probably ought not talk about food in the third hour. I
3: know. Why do we keep doing that? I
2: don't know because I am just dying for some fries. Shame <laughs> well, on me.
3: Well, I'm leaving for Trek, so I'm sorry I can't do that for you today, but I'll bring some next week.
2: You're probably not going to eat very well on Trek. Trek, again, is yeah. uh, you're, you're commemorating the pioneers' mm-hmm. crossing of the plains.
3: In Wyoming. And so... Uh, I think we actually are going to eat pretty well. That's yeah. what they say. So, they, they always say they that. Say it's <laughs> the bait and
2: switch. You get there, you think you're going to eat like Dutch oven, whatever, Yeah, cobbler. And it's not uh-uh. there. No. no.
3: Well, I have to tell you, a friend of mine brought me a little bag of goodies to, you know, take on the trial with me. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because she had a little, little bag filled with flour. And she said, just so you know, this was their portion every day, which really put it in perspective. Yeah, it huge. was just a tiny amount that that was all they had all day.
2: A little bag of flour, a little
3: tiny—I mean, like an ounce. I can't remember yeah. how much it was. That was—that would really, maybe
2: make half a biscuit.
3: Yeah. So that really, that really made me feel yeah. appreciative for. Are what you they leaving went tonight
2: or tomorrow morning? I'm
3: leaving as soon as I leave here. We're heading out. So.
2: Wow. May the force they already be left with you. Monday.
3: Everybody left Monday, yeah. so I'm kind of getting there late.
2: Well, we you just—you'll be in our prayers. Thank you. I, I'm going <laughs> to need it, I,
3: especially with tomorrow's 13-mile walk. So please, yeah. <sighs> Man, Say a you know, for me. I
2: so wish I could be there.
3: I know you do. Uh, I'll call your ward and make sure yeah. you're your church and make they, sure you're on the next one. They
2: just did. Our church just did oh, it this last year. See, oh,
3: bummer. It's every four years. Last so year. More years.
2: No, but four years ago, I was uh, my wife and I were ma's Mom and pa's, pa's. So we were in yes. charge of like eight little minions.
3: Yep. And it was, <laughs> That's a big responsibility. <laughs> that is. So it's good huge. job, man. It was really
2: good. It was really good. And nobody died which is huge. So, uh, Kathy, take care. Drive safe and happy Friday on Monday. Uh, We are going to take a break. Come back with our tech guru, Jay McFarland, will be joining us. We will be discussing all things tech in our What the Tech program. Uh, Tons of fun. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Our tech guru is on the line. Jay McFarland is joining us. Jay uh, is a a radio talk show host here in Utah, was very popular in the Dallas, Texas area as well back in 2005. He now is uh, in Salt Lake City, Utah, as one of the co-hosts of the Browsers radio program, which is pretty much all things tech. And he is our tech guru. Uh, We just ask, what the tech Jay McFarland, how are you, brother? I'm doing pretty well with too. <laughs> good to have you, man. Um hey, I got some good news for you. Actually for what me. That? I got I I have a watch. I I've got a uh an Apple Watch. You do? I do. Dude, you know what? We're we're kind of losing you on your audio. So if you're near a window or if you happen to be in a bottle, get out of the bottle. <laughs>
7: All right, let me uh <laughs> oh, there you let go. Me relocate. Yeah,
2: yeah you're I'm a lot better. better. I think yeah, All were right. you sitting in a cur jar? You know, just just
7: just for my health. Putting the the lid on. program I'm
2: on. Jay, I had a friend give me, uh, David Myers and his wife Carolyn, they gave my wife and I Apple watches. So
7: what do you think at this point?
2: I now think, A, I'm the coolest guy in the studio. B, um, I think it's awesome. I, I mean, I like it. I mean, it actually fits my life pretty well because... I When I go sit down and talk to my clients, I can't have my iPhone in there, but it keeps me on task.
7: Yeah, that's one of the things i found. I've had the watch for about uh, four weeks now, and it is really nice when you're in a meeting, uh, when you're out and about to see who's contacting you. But here's my question for you. You got it for free. Yeah. You like it. Mm-hmm. Would you have liked it as much if you paid $400? No. It? Yeah. No. So free a free Apple Watch is really awesome. Why,
2: why don't they do that? <laughs> yeah. That is so dumb. Just give yeah. the watch away, and people will love it.
7: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, my experience is it's cool, it's convenient. There's some cool features on it, but is it worth no. that price tag? And I, pay, say no, yeah, I would say no. Well, our, yeah,
2: I would say no too. Well, didn't didn't it drop off? Aren't the sales dropping off like That's crazy? What,
7: that's what we're hearing unofficially. I mean, Apple's not re- really releasing those numbers, but those are the rumors that, uh, you know, sales spiked and then they've been dropping off. Uh, but they're going to be rolling out some new features on it, so we'll see if they yeah. can keep up with it.
2: Hey, this. I'm not a marketing expert, but I would try to go with the give-it-away-free idea.
7: Yeah, I think I think uh, you might you might be onto to something there.
2: <laughs> Hey, um, here's the deal. A new study came out about kids feeling neglected because of cell phones.
7: Yeah, this is uh, this is from a company called AVG. They're an antivirus company. They surveyed six thousand adults and children. These kids are from a- the ages of eight to 5- to fifteen, and fifty four percent of the children. Uh, actually, sorry, the numbers thirty two percent of the kids said. They feel like the device that their parents have is more important to the parent than to the child.
2: Oh man. Than the child is to the parent. Yes. Oh my yes. heavens.
7: And that's sad that oftentimes when they try to talk to their child to their parents, excuse me, that they feel that the phone gets in the way. So the kid will be talking to the parent and, and the parent will be checking their email or texting or on words with friends or something like that.
2: Yeah. Oh that's sad. I mean we knew this was this day was coming.
7: Well yeah. I mean and and but my first question was how many parents feel the same way about their kids? Oh sure. You know like I can't get through to my child because they're always on the phone or we're sitting around the dinner table and they want to be on their phone so we have to collect our phone. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a this is a common issue that we're distracted by these devices but I have to tell you I have the solution. What? It's an easy solution. It's pretty obvious. I'm surprised you didn't come up with it.
2: What? No, I don't think easily. (laughs) I I only think of complicated solutions.
7: (laughs) Listen, we solved this problem a long time ago in our house. All you have to do is make sure all your kids have a phone, and then if they want to talk to you or they need something, they just (laughs) text you. (laughs) <laughs> and then, and then they won't feel like the phone is getting in the way. They'll feel like the phone is facilitating
8: your relationship. Okay, you know what I'm saying.
2: Yeah. Okay. Let me bring in my expertise on this a minute.
8: Yes, please. Uh,
2: it's <laughs> that 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 may be actually um, that may be disconnecting people because then oh, the only really? way I can yeah I don't know oh. I don't know I'm not a tech expert. <laughs> But as a human, if I have to text you to get your attention, but isn't that uh, funny? We, we now, all of a sudden, we, we can't give it up. And even if we even know we shouldn't be doing it and we're still doing it.
7: Well, isn't that funny? In the, in the survey, 52% of parents agreed that they check their devices too frequently. Mm. So, so they know it's a problem and they are doing it anyway.
2: We th- did you read that that uh, that Kleiner Perkins study that says that mobile phone users check their devices 150 times a day on yeah, average?
7: Yeah, and I thought that might be a little low, to be honest with you. Oh wow! I mean, it's uh, if your emails on there, if your texts are on there, that's true. If you're getting your news on there, if you're getting Facebook on there, I mean, it's constant. I really feel again, this is a circumstance where. This brings incredible benefits and connectivity and, and information to your life. I mean, I can do my work anywhere. It, it's, it's allowed me to go to all of my children's sporting events and things like that because during halftime and during uh, you know, intermission, I can get things done. I can be out and about. It's kind of cut, it, cut the leash from the office place, and it's just replaced that leash with the phone. Yeah. But then the other side of that is how do you moderate that and not let it get in the way of your relationship with your kids.
2: Yeah. No, I think I I actually am in my company. I'm going to I'm going to create a new workshop because that's what people need now or it's the discipline to turn it off, to yeah. to say no. And we that's isn't that funny? Now we got to train that discipline into people.
7: Well, it, but you know what? There's the other side too. I will tell you in my own experience, I have four teenagers that there have been times where my kids have not felt comfortable about coming to me some, with something face-to-face, mm-hmm. and they've started that conversation off with a text message. And that little bit of distance, it's kind of like writing a note when we were younger, you know, like maybe you <laughs> write a note to your parents and say, hey, I kind of did this because you don't want to be there when the initial impact happened." Yeah, But that has been a, a good tool. Now, I haven't continued those conversations in text, I then go and have the rest of the conversation face to face. Yeah. But that I have to tell you there's been a couple of key times where I really feel like without texting, they might have waited mm-hmm. or it might not have come to me. So I don't want to say that it's it's, no, it's all bad. It's not
2: bad. No, it's a tool, isn't it? It's just it's yeah. just another tool right. that we can use.
7: Right. And That's the cool. other thing that is just awesome is if I'm if I'm sitting there watching T V and I need something from the refrigerator or something else in the house. I just text my child, and it appears automatically.
2: <laughs> Boy, so, get daddy a beverage. <laughs> that's great. That's the great.
7: in-house intercom texting <laughs> system is alive and well. There's you know, no someday. That's right. No more
2: yelling. Or now,
7: down the stairs. So think about it. There's less <laughs> yelling in our house yeah, because more of peace. Interesting. How can that be bad, man? No,
2: no, no. Honestly, uh, it's it's not bad for the yelling. the cha- The child labor laws they might they might be violated. <laughs> yeah. but other than that, I think you know what. It's funny because th- this is how we need to evolve, right? We need to figure out that tech's going to need some other rules. In fact, talk to me about what happened um, with Spotify and Netflix tracking down a dad that had kidnapped or a parent that had kidnapped their kid.
7: Yeah, but this is. This is one of those things where where I'm so glad they were able to use the technology on one side. But on the other side, it totally freaks me out Yeah, that they were able to use this technology to do this. So this is a Colorado couple. They, uh, the wife has two children from a previous relationship. And uh, the the father of those two children sued for custody, and he was granted custody. And so this couple, instead of turning over the children... They skipped town and took off, and they had been gone for something like seven months, and uh, authorities were looking for them everywhere. And it came out that they had a Spotify account and a Netflix account. And so they issued a warrant to both companies, and they found out that both accounts were still being used. They were Mm. still active. So they looked at the IP addresses and found out that they were in a city in Mexico. And so they started watching that city and that area for any names or anything. And one day uh, this this mom gets a delivery from the Postal Service, and that's all they needed to connect all the dots and get the exact address of this woman. And uh, they arrested her, and she's been expedited. I mean, great story. Wow. coming home. Yeah. Right? Right? To dad. But at the same time, they <laughs> were able to pinpoint You know, with pretty good accuracy where they were at based upon a movie service and a music service, which is kind of scary. That is kind of scary.
2: No, yeah. You've lost some privacy. It reveals
7: how much information we're giving up with these devices that we carry around with us all the time.
2: And we don't even – they didn't have a clue. No. They were – being, you know, followed and tracked. I mean, that's that's, I guess, the thing about technology. In the end, is we really don't know how much we don't know.
7: Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the thing. If they had truly known, uh, they could have just easily set up a new Spotify account, right? Mm-hmm. But the way I am with that, if you use Spotify or Pandora, I've spent like ten years building up. Yeah, however long Pandora has been out, I've spent that much time. Honing that to give me my music perfectly. Yeah. And that has become more important to me than so many other things. So I'm like, do I get rid of my Pandora account and start <laughs> over, or do I risk being arrested? That's it. I don't know. That's a hard question. That's
2: true. Yeah, we'll give up our security any day, we'll give up our privacy, whatever. Just don't mess with my Pandora account.
7: Yeah, just don't take <laughs> my hard work for building this radio station. The good news with that story is that the the government had to get a warrant and that's, you know, they followed the constitutional requirements. They went to a judge, they got a warrant. So all of it was completely legal. It's just a reminder that these companies are all housing information about us. They know where we're at and they know a lot about our lives and uh, that could turn into some really interesting problems in this, in this case, I'm glad they were able to do it in others. I don't, I, I'm not so sure.
2: I know, no. I, and now with my Apple Watch, they know, you know, if I did sit-ups, they know my oh, heart yeah. rate right now.
7: Yeah, and you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. There's been several cases now across the country where these wearables that, that we have on have been used in a court of law either for or against the person who had them. There's a woman back east who claimed that she had been assaulted in the middle of the night. And they acquired her Fitbit information. She said, I was asleep at home all night. This guy broke into my house, and he assaulted me. Well, they used the Fitbit information in court, and it showed that she – it showed every other night. She wears this thing at night. It showed her regular sleeping habits. And on that night, it shows that she never went to sleep and that she – her according to her heart rate, she was up r- about – and doing all kinds of other oh, things. Oh, my heavens. And that, that part of her story was completely, <laughs> completely inaccurate. <laughs> Interesting. And then there's another story in Canada where a guy was claiming, uh, you know, disability, and they subpoenaed his Fitbit information, <laughs> and his activity levels are the same as wow. anybody else his age. Yeah.
2: Larry, you're doing 10,000 steps a day. <laughs>
7: <laughs> exactly. what is the problem you've there? got 30
2: minutes of cardio larry <laughs> isn't that crazy yeah all this yeah. data oh my heavens yeah. man that's why you're the tech guru we're going to take a break we're talking with jay mcfarland from J mcfarland.com go check out his website tons of apps uh and, and great stuff that he's put together there we'll come back continue to pick his brain on all things tech stick with us folks this is the matt townsend show you're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the phone with us, Jay McFarlane from jaymcfarland.com. He's also a uh, host of the browsers on ksl.com, KSL Radio. And uh, Jay is our tech guru. He doesn't just, you know, study, read about this stuff. He actually goes out and does it. He makes a lot of great apps that, will, uh, that my kids love to play with because it helps them learn math, which is something that Townsend's don't do. We don't do math. But Jay joins us. Uh, Jay, welcome back to the show, my friend.
7: Thank you, sir.
2: Hey, uh, what do you think about this new selfie payment idea, where you just take a selfie and makes a payment?
7: Well, you know, we need, uh, we need some major changes in our overall identity protection and how we go about making payments. And there are a lot of different companies out there that are pursuing, you know, what the next answer, mm-hmm. what is it? And so we've talked, you know, fingerprints, we've talked, uh, there's a possible blood, give your blood Ew. something that you know.
2: every time yeah.
7: <laughs> yeah.
2: my, but my wife actually, would die of uh, anemia.
7: Right. Uh, there's also heart rate. Uh, I didn't
2: know each one of us has
7: a very unique, identical, ah. identifiable heart rate. And so you could combine that, for example, with your Apple watch, and it could know that that is you. So, this is actually a MasterCard program. They're going to start experimenting with uh, facial scans at checkout. So, you'll be asked to hold up your phone, snap a photo with your own phone, Hmm. and then it will use facial recognition to verify who you are. And this is one of the ways that they'll have to cut down on fraud. So, if somebody steals your account information, they won't, uh, maybe if they could get a quick picture of you as they steal it. Uh, you know, the, the, the question is how how secure is this? Um, I can tell you right now, like USAA bank, they've added a facial uh, scan feature into their online banking to verify who you are. (laughs) So these technologies are out there and we tried to fool the USAA, um,
2: yeah, uh, could you do it?
7: No, we could, we, you know, we took a picture and their key is that it looks at your face, but you also have to be blinking. So, <laughs> so, we tried like to cut out the eyes. Yeah, yeah. See if we could, you know, do that, and uh-huh. we we're not able to flip. Ah,
6: good. They also
7: they also have uh, voice recognition, so you have to say a phrase. You remember the old, uh, was it sneakers that had the my voice is my key? Remember uh-huh. that? Yeah, yeah. Movie sneakers. Yeah. So, so that's also on the app. The old voice, uh, voice key recognition.
2: Well, there's going to be a day that you're just going to have to have like a full medical physical. Yeah. Every time yeah. you want to pay for something.
7: <laughs> you just give your DNA. Yeah, your doctor
2: right? will have to vouch for you.
7: Yeah, instead of your Social Security number, you do a, uh, a DNA scan. <laughs> and, you know, we talked last time we were on the air about this Office of Personnel Management hack. Yeah. Where all these people have oh, that's all their crazy. information. The, the, one, the one area, Matt, where we don't see... Uh, any improvement in trying to protect your identity is within the federal government and the use of social security numbers Ugh. and with credit agencies, and that's the biggest area of concern for me. They've got to get to my idea is that they kind of do like what Apple Pay and Google Wallet. Now, when you make a payment, it doesn't transmit your actual card number or information. It generates a one-time number, and that number is only good for that transaction, and then it fades away. Hmm. So, so the, the vendor never
2: receives the yeah, like actual that.
7: information. So in my mind, the credit bureaus need to come up with a way to issue us a one-time uh, code or token when we apply for credit. It's good for one time. It, it, it helps the, uh, the uh, credit companies, the credit cards or whatever, know who you are and access your credit. But after that, it fades away. We need
2: I love that like idea. That. Wouldn't that be right. great if all your paperwork just faded, right? Or oh, yeah. you could just turn it off with a switch and all of your, everything you, every form you've ever filled out just, you know, evaporated.
7: Yeah, that would be nice. You think about all of the different organizations that we trust today. How oh. many places have Matt and Social Security? Oh, jeez. Yeah. You think about it. No, really. And, and, and you're trusting all of those to have good security on their servers, to have honest employees. I mean, the amount of trust that we have is—we shouldn't be just trusting that everybody's okay. We should be able to shore that up a little. <laughs> it's
2: bit. It's so true, and especially yeah. when you hear the numbers. What was the final number on the the that break-in? Um,
7: oh well, they, they started out at four million. You're talking about the office yeah, yeah. management, and then it jumped to 21 million.
2: Just 21 million.
7: Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. And those are people who now have the, the comfort that somewhere in China there's a database with all of their information and and here's the the, the really scary thing is what are you going to do change your social you're going to change right. your birthday you're going to change your name i mean they're offering like 18 months of credit monitoring but after that they still have your information uh. and so so then what what do you do i mean these people are in absolute peril for uh, for how long cuz that information is lifelong information right.
2: yeah yeah so, and, and yeah and we that'll you'll never get rid of that and a lot of those people weren't even applying for the job were they they may have just been a source or some other person helping somebody apply weren't they i mean they, well
7: yeah cuz these were they accessed this specific form that is used to apply for uh, security clearance mm-hmm. and depending on wh- how high a level of that security clearance was you were giving detailed information, first about yourself, uh, your, all of your information, your health, your medical records. But then you also had to give detailed personal information about all your family members, oh. close relatives, oh. friends, yeah. neighbors. So all of that, it's like a 127-page background check. Those were all accessed. Mm. And the crazy thing is, Matt, they were in the system for over a year yeah. just hanging out. I just mean, they had set up stuff, had hammocks. They had like break areas. I mean, they just totally set up shop. Jay, oh, Jay,
2: Jay, Jay. Yeah, Jay. That, yeah we got it. Comforted. Yeah. No. No. You just ruined my day.
7: But, well, it, but honestly, it's real. The only the only recourse we have is check your statements every single day. Don't fall for those online scams. Don't ever give out your personal information. Yeah. And check your credit on a regular basis. And and just I'm just waiting for the day. I mean, my only. My only security is that my credit's so bad that if somebody steals my identity, they're going to start getting
2: billed.
7: <laughs> right. And so maybe that's a good security.
2: That's it. That should else. be it. It's kind of like, you know, where, you know, whoever has the ball at the end of the game loses. And yeah. whoever <laughs> carrying my debt loses. Sorry, stinker. Yeah. Good so job. my
7: new plan. I'm telling everybody, just go out and ruin your credit. That's right. And that's, then you're safe. That's right.
2: Then you're safe. Nobody wants to touch you. Jay McFarlane, you're great, my friend. Thanks for being our tech guru. Everybody, go check out his website, JayMcFarland.com. Go, go look at the apps that he does there, and his books, everything he's got there. We'll take a break, my friends. Come back with our good uh, buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Take the
0: sunrise, sprinkle it with dew, it. The The candy man, the candy man can. can.
2: And if he can't, then BYU Sports Nation sure can. We're going to shoot it down to our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Hello, gentlemen.
8: Hello, Matthew. <laughs> I quoted you in an email yesterday. Where? When? So just, I'll, I'll just, pull it up. Yeah, yeah, Jeremy Jer- 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 will read you the first part.
2: Do, do you like this
8: music? I like the music. The Candyman can <laughs> you find a Jerem. Here we go. Okay.
1: And the word that's from uh, Spencer Linton. In okay. the words of Matt Townsend. Hello, gentlemen. Gentlemen. It was, it was no. It was this word.
8: Hello, gentlemen.
2: <laughs>
1: the Candyman can. That's What's my the conversation br- like when you're figuring out the music to play this? You know, or what? is there a conversation?
2: We actually don't have a conversation. Oh, okay. Why talk? We we do everything kind of intuitively on the Matt Townsend show. We just feel our way through it. It's a good producing Mm -hmm. practice. It's a great practice. Hey,
1: we'll just figure it out on the air. It'll be content. Yeah.
2: And then we're all surprised. Like I had no idea that song was coming on. What are we
1: doing? Hey, just show up.
2: But you know what? There's a reason that song is on. Do you know why? Because it is a
8: candy day or something? It's
2: the gummy worm day. Happy oh. gummy worms.
8: You know, I can get up for that. I can, uh, I can get excited about you like, that. You like you, the gummy worms? I love gummy worms. Okay,
2: man. here's a test for you, a German test. And Ben, be ready to answer. What uh, does the word gummy mean in German?
8: Uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Benjamin? Rubber. It means
2: rubber. What? Mm-hmm. Rubber worms. Gummy, 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 gummy. It makes sense. I don't speak German, but I'm pretty sure that was the candyish,
1: rubber, rubbery quality. Mm
2: -hmm. Hey guys, I've got a, I've got a gift for you, Uh, and it's the You mean a gif? I've got no, no, a real gift. Oh, oh, yeah. This is really cool. Uh, Did you know that coloring books for grown-ups are the new thing? Right now, they're color all the time. They're hot, and what they're doing currently: six of Amazon's top fifty titles are coloring books. For adults, really?
8: Really? look, uh-huh. look. If you want to bond with your child,
2: no, 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 no. This is when the kids go to bed. You pull out the coloring <laughs> you're just doing books. It on your own. What
8: I'm saying <laughs> is, if you want to bond with your child, you need to understand the level that they're on.
2: Uh, well, you need, you yeah.
8: need to work you, on some coloring books, even when they're in bed. But, I don't care.
2: Yeah, but is that what you're doing? Then you're just <laughs> you're trying to understand your My kid. My kid
1: keeps wanting to watch sports, which is crazy. I'm like, fine, we'll do it. Let's
2: do that, son. We have to. How old your kid? Two. Yeah. Okay. I'm just
1: kidding. She doesn't care. About she things. could care less. Disney not. Junior for life.
2: So I'm thinking about getting you guys some coloring books, and I wanted to know which one you want. Do you want the adult coloring book called Stress Relieving Patterns? Uh, do you want the Creative Haven Creative Cats Coloring Book, or the Color Me Happy Coloring Book?
8: I would like the Color Me Happy Coloring okay. Book.
2: Okay, Jeremy, how about you? Uh huh. You seem like a cat man to me.
1: I'll take a cat one. Whatever.
2: Creative Haven <laughs> Creative Cats Coloring Book. I'm going to get you that.
1: Sounds one. amazing. There's a reason you love Bob Pelini, Jeremy. Mm. Yeah, so Nebraska's head coach, yeah. or the former head coach that they fired, someone made a fake account where it's him holding a cat. <laughs> Someone's done with this with Bronco Mendenhall, by the way. Have they? So during the spring game last year, uh, he ran out of the tunnel with the team holding a cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. great. That That's is
2: great. great. Way to way to be a part of the game.
1: Because the spring game is boring anyway, uh-huh. so might as well run out with a cat. That's my. Uh... By Bronco Menendez runs out with a baby cougar or something. That would uh-huh. be awesome. Oh that would be wow, amazing.
2: that would be. You know what would be even cooler if he ran out with an adult male cougar.
1: No, that's just dumb. (laughs) There used to be live cougars prowling the sidelines in the uh, 40s, I believe, at BYU. Yeah. It's true.
2: Is that just because before security noticed them? Yeah.
1: They lived on the south side of campus. (laughs) And one day they got out and killed some livestock because this used to be just a ton of farmland.
2: Yeah. Um, That'll ruin. So they had to put them down.
1: uh, Oh, that's sad. Live cougars would be awesome because there's some schools that still have live animals. Well, sure. How come they get a a longhorn in Texas? Longhorn. Falcon for Air Force flies in. Very cool. You know what uh, they ought to do? for Auburn.
2: Am I getting violent? But maybe they just need to have the, they like need to bring the Cougar and the Longhorn, put them together on the field, bef- at, you know, before the game, and just we let them go to town. We
1: saw that in football form last year. Really? Yeah. How'd that look? Oh, it was glorious. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was great.
2: Hey, Jeremy, is Spencer still there?
1: I'm still
8: here.
2: I was just wondering where Spencer went.
1: I'm just
8: enjoying the conversation that you two are having.
2: He's sleepy. I get it. Hey, um, you guys still doing that thing, uh, that, thing at, uh, that thing at 11 Eastern?
1: We're actually not.
2: You're not doing the thing today? The oh, we just kidding.
8: We, oh, we are doing it. <laughs> My bad.
2: My bad. You tricksters. <laughs> what, what's on the show today?
8: Oh, it's back and better than ever, Matt.
2: Back and better than
8: ever. The elite mm-hmm. conversation surrounding BYU's top returning receiver, Senior Mitch Matthews. Mm. The Fred Boletnikov Award Watchlist was released today. That's the award given to the nation's top receiver. Boletnikoff?
2: Yep. Not to be confused with Baryshnikoff? Nope. Different. Okay.
8: Boletnikoff greater than Baryshnikoff. For sure. Okay, it's given to the best receiver in the country. Mitch Matthews is one of 48 receivers on that list. Not a huge surprise. We anticipated that he would be there after the season that he had, but... It just brings up the conversation once again. Is Mitch Matthews an elite receiver?
2: Is he all that?
8: Is he poised for an elite season? Hmm. What even defines an elite season for a BYU receiver?
1: It's a good question, too, because we've had this discussion. uh, um, Elite among BYU historically or against the field? Yeah, that's hard, huh? Those are two different conversations. And we've been having conversations relative to nationally. Is he elite nationally and I feel no Spencer feels yes but either way it's all just is elite guessing. like top 20 top 10 it's a we haven't really defined what okay. what is elite and i think i think there's some gray area there but i think we will know yeah. after september whether that is yes or no because he's going to play tough opponents if he has big yeah. games he can really help BYU and he has the capability and i think i think he can become elite i just need to see it
2: yeah i like it that's a great topic.
1: And I hope he does, for BYU's sake. Because if he doesn't, if he's not elite mm-hmm. in September, Game I, don't, over. I think BYU comes out with a losing record in those,
2: in those Well, right. That, you know what? This is, this is, this is it. They've got, they got one month to, to prove a lot, don't they? Yeah. It's kind of yeah. like us. You know, We have five minutes to prove that we're worth it.
8: Well, the exciting oh, part about it is they do have that month. They will be on a national yeah. stage for four weeks in a row. Cool. So he's got the stage to get noticed nationally.
1: He could get himself drafted after September. Seriously. Come on, do it. And B- D- BYU receivers the last 30 years, just a handful of guys have been drafted. That's true. It's not been a strong point. So if Mitch Matthews can uh, add to that, that'd be great.
2: And that's amazing because they're such a passing team for the last 30 years. Isn't that interesting? Yeah.
1: The quarterbacks, yes, there have been some uh, really, really good ones that have come out of BYU and had really high-level success in the NFL. Granted, it's been a while since BYU produced one of those guys. But for some reason, not as many receivers.
2: Well, you know what, guys? I'm glad you're on it. That's all I I I have to say about it.
1: We're here, man. (laughs) Our our bosses never, never told us you guys aren't there. No, I know. It's the no. one thing we can say, hey, we're here.
2: I mean, that, which is amazing because every day when we do the show, I still ask if you're still doing it, but your boss is always like, no, you're always doing it.
1: He's like, man. So they... I,
2: I probably just need to listen to your boss.
1: What What are their great qualities? Well, they're, they are there. They're there. They're, oh. they're, they're doing the sports content. They of are
2: there, even on time. Most of the time, yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks. That's going to be a good show. Have a great show today, and you, happy Gummy Bear Day.
8: We'll try our darndest.
2: Yeah, and hey- Spence, next time, try using your words, pal.
8: But coloring. <laughs> Speak American. Greater.
2: Love. Anyway. Make okay. me happy. Okay, stop your words. Okay. Move on. Have a good show. <laughs> Everybody. Watch Great, the, doc. You got to watch and listen to the guys. They'll be up in about five minutes if I can land this plane without a crash. Uh, we always like to end the show talking about the hero of the day. Today's hero is Kansas police officer Mark Engravel. Angrevel is his last name. Mark Angrevel, After being called on a robbery report, this officer's kindness changed the life of one woman and her family. A Roland Park police officer reached into his own pocket to help a mother of a six-year-old who had been caught stealing last week. Officer Mark Angraval was called to Walmart in response to a shoplifter. When Angraval arrived at Walmart, he found Sarah Robinson, along with her six children, in the parking lot. Three of her children were barefoot. Engerval realized uh, that the $300 uh, in stolen merchandise contained diapers, children's shoes, and baby wipes. Robinson told Engerval that she was homeless, and she and her girls were living out of their car and on occasion sharing a rented uh, one-bedroom in a stranger's house in Kansas City. She wept as she explained her story, Robinson's husband died a few years back in an accidental drowning, and Angraval looked down at the girls' feet and noticed how dirty they were. He immediately rushed into Walmart, picking up diapers and wipes. He sent Robinson's 16-year-old daughter to pick out shoes for her sisters, and after the story went public to the the Roland Police Department, ended up receiving more than $6,000 in donations for Robinson and her family. So Kansas police officer Mark Angrevel, uh, congratulations, man. You are the hero of the day. The Matt Townsend Show's hero of the day. Seriously cool. Cool. Again, cops, they get such a bad rap lately, and yet the majority of them are just like Officer Mark Angravel, just seeing a need, changing somebody's life, and... Um, and helping people along the way. So, folks, remember that. There are good people out there in the world. You are among them. And uh, as long as we all just kind of live up to the good that's in us, we lift everyone else around us. We change lives. We make people better. Great, uh, great, great story. We appreciate it. Folks, that's the show. Thanks for listening to us. Remember, we can't do the show without you. We'll be back tomorrow. More ideas, more tools. So pass it on. Go pass the podcast on and or um, just... back here tomorrow. We'll do this again. Until then, take care of yourself and make it a great one.